0: Gabriel again takes a quick peek and then takes off. Weaves his way through traffic. He's in the loose. Dylan Gabriel finally chased down at the Texas 30. Keaton Crawford saved the touchdown, but that's the run of his life. Dylan Gabriel welcomes us into the latest edition of West of Everest, an Oklahoma football podcast. And this is not just any episode of the show. No, this is episode number Three hundred. Now, what does that mean? Well, nothing really in particular. It's just a nice round number. It just does also mean that we've been doing this for quite some time. And we'll see if Grant has any thoughts on the significance of this number here in a moment. By the way, I am Lee Benson. Grant Benson joining me as always. And, well, it's been some time since we last talked. So that means we've got a lot to cover today from Oklahoma's bowl matchup in the Alamo Bowl. With Arizona of course the college football playoff is all set we'll be the last people to give their public opinions on that and of course we got portal palooza or call it whatever you want the transfer portal has provided a lot of news including some news today as we record on Tuesday evening December the 12th but before we dive in let's go back to the intro that was Dylan Gabriel's 44 yard run against Texas in the fourth quarter this season and you might be asking yourself, okay, why that play? Why is that the intro for show number 300? Well, earlier Grant asked me uh, to pull a cool Dylan Gabriel play for the intro. And for whatever reason, Grant, that play, that run, was the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, a it's, a, it's a good one to think of. That
1: is, uh, of course, that is the signature game in Dylan Gabriel's career as an OU Sooner. And also, I mean, probably as a college quarterback as well. That's his, his signature game. And that was a massive, massive play in the game. And so, of course, we put that on there to bid adieu to number 8, to Oklahoma's starting quarterback for the last two years, who was much maligned, went through a lot, but uh, at the end of the day was, was a very valuable member of the football program. And uh, I'm sad to see him go. And I know we're, we're behind the times on this one. And I know a lot of stuff has happened in the last week or so. But uh, I'd be remiss if we did not start there. This is uh, obviously a, a a fond farewell on my part to Dylan Gabriel.
0: Yeah, I, the guy was terrific. He did exactly what he needed to do. Uh, it's just interesting because, you know, I, I lied. The, the first thing I thought of when you said cool Dylan Gabriel play, of course, the first thing I thought of was, the touchdown pass, and Nick Anderson, the game-winning touchdown pass. But I thought, you know what, that's, that's kind of got both guys. And, you know, that was, that was a nice drive by Dylan. Uh, but the, the, the next thing, the second thing was that run. And, I don't, and it's weird because, I mean, he's – yes, I mean, he can run. We've praised his, his uh, mobility quite a bit, you a lot more than me at times. Um, me, sometimes I think he kind of looks slow. Other times he looks great. And that was a game where his, his legs were terrific. He ran the ball quite a bit. Uh, But still, in the the past two years, as Oklahoma's quarterback, and in his career, he's not a running quarterback; he's a passing quarterback. So I think it's just kind of interesting that, you know, one of the first things I thought of was a run by him. Uh, But anyways, yeah, Dylan Gabriel going off to uh, greener pastures, literally, gonna go play for Oregon. So I it it would, you know, I'd imagine that he uh, got his NFL grades and probably didn't like what he saw. You know, maybe uh, either a late draft pick or undrafted and Thought, you know what? And we talked about it. I was like, you know what? He, he's got, he can grad transfer somewhere. And, you know, Jeff Levy and Mississippi State was kind of a thought. But the fact that other teams like an Oregon comes around, I mean, you don't blame him. I'm sure he's going to get a pretty good NIL deal from them. And we'll see how he does at Oregon. And uh, I'm just wish the guy luck. I am a bit skeptical, though. I'm kind of curious to see what happens when the guy's got to learn a brand new offense. Granted, he's played a lot of college football now. So it's going to be a lot easier for him to figure this out than it would have been two, three years ago. But he's so used to Jeff levy's offense, and there was one season where levy wasn't there but but i believe three out of his four seasons of full starting quarterback play have been in a jeff levy system, so kind of curious see what happens with him at Oregon see if he can pick it up quick and see if he's a guy that looks similar uh, at Oregon that he did this season yeah i'm I'm also
1: really curious to see you know how it turns out there i last week when the when the news broke i was uh, very similar to our friend Brady Trantham, I, I was in my feels a little bit about it, um, almost kind of having buyer's remorse in the sense of, man, are we are we really sure we want to move on from Dylan Gabriel right now after the season he just had? And I know I kind of voiced some of those opinions on here too. Those feelings have kind of subsided a little bit over the last ten days or so, um, and I've gotten a little bit more excited about Jackson Arnold. And also, you know, those questions have popped up So, You know, what is he going to be like when he's separated from Jeff Lebby? Uh, but I, I don't. I think it's. I think he is objectively uh, the guy who, you know, who is actually like coming back next year, he, he's the best quarterback coming back who had, I mean, he just objectively is. I, um, based off the season that he had, unless I suppose you could say, I, we don't know if JJ McCarthy is coming back at Michigan yet, but, um, Dylan Gabriel has just accomplished a lot more than JJ McCarthy has at the college level. So, um, Hey and like I, I, I understand the irony of a lot of this. I, I, I even said kind of in the summer leading up to this, my, uh, my skepticism of Dylan Gabriel and him being quote unquote the guy was I, it was still an open an open question for me going into this season. I, I was very, very upfront about that. Um, Dylan Gabriel blew me away this year. he was great. He was absolutely nails, 100 percent. and as I said in the last one if this coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff, would have treated him like he was Baker Mayfield. They'd be 12-0 right now.
0: That may very well be true. He he was terrific. Uh, Dylan had by far the best year of his career, as I struggle now to to find his career stats. Come on, come on. Where's his career stats? Oh, there we go, career. This was the
1: first year where you literally could not poke any holes in his stats
0: it doesn't matter yeah he had a great season and i realize that i'll caveat this with i'm not allowed to talk about quarterbacks anymore because jalen hurts has become good in the nfl although recently he's not playing as well and i think that corresponds with the fact that he's obviously kind of banged up they're playing a tough schedule in philadelphia and oh what what a weird thing that that his defense is actually playing poorly and it's it's harder to play quarterback when your defense is bad so for the first time in his nfl career he's actually experiencing that by the way uh Lamar Jackson is still yet to experience that in Baltimore. The, the defense is always good there, but that's beside the point. Uh, so I'm not allowed to talk about quarterbacks. But my thing with Dylan Gabriel is I—he's a good player. He's definitely improved. He's experienced. I think a lot of it though is based he's, is on Jeff Lebby and people, players around him. And so that's why I'm very curious about him in a new system. And granted, Bo Nix had a great season. So that's—I'm assuming that's the same system he's going into. So. And I wasn't the biggest Bo Nix guy at Auburn. And so then again, you know, Dylan's a smart guy. He probably thought, you know what? If I'm going to go somewhere, obviously he's not going to go follow Levy, which is smart because Mississippi State's not going anywhere next year. Uh, and, and Oregon certainly is going to have a chance to win the Big Ten, win, you know, make the playoff. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious with that. I'm just not as high on him as you are, but that doesn't mean that I, I don't think he's a great player.
1: Yeah, I think uh, depending on what shakes out at Ohio State, I, you could talk me into, uh, you know, I'm sure, depending on what happens with Michigan too, you could absolutely talk me into Oregon being the favorite in the Big Ten next year. Um, they're going to have, I, they're going to definitely, on paper, probably have the best quarterback situation in that conference. Um, we'll see. I, I thought that was a really, a really good decision from Dylan Gabriel. It stings. Um, and of course, you bring up the, it, it would really suck to see Dylan Gabriel, you know, like, Go to New York, be like a Heisman Trophy finalist. Oregon wins the Big Ten, they go to the playoff, and you know if OU like struggles with Jack, that would really, really suck. That would be a, that I mean, that would be a, looking super, super far ahead, but just like if that happens, I I can assure you, Brent Venables' seat would get much warmer. I promise See, you that. I disagree because there was no there was the optics no of choice that? here. Optics of that, like let's say, let's say OU goes six and six next year, not totally out of, not, not, not a completely ridiculous thing. He just went six and six last year. And Dylan Gabriel and Oregon go 11 and one. They play in the Big Ten championship game. Who knows what happens? Dylan Gabriel is in New York and Oregon's in the playoff and OU's not. I i can, I can tell you there will be pitchforks out.
0: No, no, there won't. I mean, because there was no choice. It, it, you tell Jackson Arnold that you're going to, sorry, actually, we're going to go with Dylan Gabriel for another year jackson arnold probably gets in the portal he leaves now you're behind the eight ball with your quarterback situation you're basically buying it for one season who you're bringing in sure no i mean that's that's a valid thing to say i'm just telling
1: you in the moment in in the case that this happens next year there will be pitchforks and people will be pissed absolutely
0: i mean like if you're somebody and it would be be understandable it'd be
1: understandable they are they are knowingly walking away from one of from a guy who is objectively one of the four best quarterbacks in the country this
0: year. Well, also, is it his eligibility out? Didn't he didn't he only have one extra year because he could grad transfer, or is this a COVID year thing? I guess I I didn't I didn't look into that. I think it's a COVID year thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I just don't. I mean, if oh, OU goes six and six, no matter what, that's Dylan Gabriel being awesome or not. That's going to be like okay, that's that's. Yeah, not I mean, it depends on the con- It depends on the context
1: of it. If they go they go six and six and Jackson Arnold throws for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns and they have a top five offense, then yeah, I don't think it'll, it'd be the same, but if Jackson Arnold throws for like 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, they have a top five offense and they go six and six, then preventables probably should get fired.
0: Well, we'll, we'll cross that bridge if we get there a year from now. Uh, but what I do want to see though, I do, I am looking forward to watching Dylan Gabriel and I, I you know I won't lie I I didn't watch Oregon that closely this year I I know it's not Chip Kelly Oregon I I know they're throwing the ball a lot more than Chip Kelly but I don't know do they throw the ball around the yard I I want to see Oregon throw the ball around the yard on these Big Ten defenses that never get to see good offenses except for maybe Ohio State every once in a while and maybe once once in a blue moon when per, like when Jeff Brom was at Purdue I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like if if he can kind of get some good numbers on some of these Big Ten schools they throw it but they don't like. They don't throw it down the field
1: very often. I know, like when I was watching the Pac-12 championship game, um, like Bo Nix was like in the in the bottom quartile in the country of average depth of target, something like that. So he was kind of nickel and diamond. Which I mean, that if you watch Bo Nix, that shouldn't surprise you. That's been his entire career. Um, Bo Nix is kind of like a poor man's Colt McCoy. But um, I, I am curious. To see, Dylan Gabriel is a much more accomplished downfield thrower than Bo Nix is. And Oregon's offense actually reminds me a lot more of what they were doing when Chip Kelly was there, just without the extreme tempo. I mean, Bo Nix has had a better year than Dylan,
0: <laughs> passing-wise. No, Bo Nix wow. has had a great year.
1: He's been very efficient. Been very, very efficient. He's just, like I said, I mean, he he throws short. They got a lot of yak. Oregon's got a lot of yak.
0: Hmm. I mean, he's averaging 9.5 yards per attempt. Like, Bo so. Nix has been really good
1: this year. I'm just... That's, that's pretty I, good. I saw the stat that I saw that he doesn't – his average depth of target
0: is very low. All right. Yeah, they both average the same amount of yards per attempt. Very interesting. Uh, last thing on this, I, I do want to acknowledge, I think I brought this up in the text drive right with you and our friend Brady Trantham from Pod. Uh I am looking forward to uh, also, as much as I like Dylan Gabriel, I, I think it's kind of well-documented that he's not his best whenever the weather is not great whether that's his fault or not. And looking at Oregon's schedule next season, I'm looking at uh, October 19th at Purdue. Okay, probably could be beautiful. Weather probably won't be a factor there, but I guess it could be. But mid-October, Purdue, you know, in Indiana, it could be bad, but probably won't be. it probably be pretty nice. But then you get to November. November 2nd at Michigan, interesting. And then fast forward two weeks later, November 16th at Wisconsin in Madison. Mid-November in Wisconsin. Could be snowing. I'm very curious to see him. Uh, and really, like all these Pac-12 schools play. I mean, that's kind of the, the novelty of this situation, right? The, these Pac-12 schools going to play in Indiana and Ohio and Pennsylvania in November. And traveling all that. It's, it's just bizarre. Yeah, it's gonna be, that's,
1: that's going to be one of the interesting things about, about the realignment. And um, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I have a weirder thing of that. If you're an Oregon player and you're like intimidated by that, then I don't understand that. I would be so fired up to play in a game like that, an atmosphere like that. I'm not that. saying they're
0: intimidated. I'm just saying that these are warm-weather West Coast kids, and they ain't used to the cold weather. That's, that's my point. Uh, it's, not the, it's not quite the same as if you're from Florida, Cause out west, I mean, up north and Eugene and Corvallis, I mean, there could be some. It could be get cold up there, uh, but still, not not quite the same. I'm sorry, I'm still reeling from
1: Farmageddon being a ridiculous explosive shootout in nine inches
0: of snow. But it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't that cold. I mean, it was probably like just some, you know right around freezing. That's
1: it wasn't. You know, I, no I was. Wind. I guess I was in Wichita while it was snowing like really hard like that, and I. I went outside and I was kind of like getting stuff out of my car as it was snowing pretty hard. Not a lot of wind. There was not a lot of wind, but of course that was in Wichita. I was about three hours that's away. from the best from Manhattan. That's the best kind of
0: snow. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked even. It looked more miserable in Stillwater for that BYU OSU game where it was like kind of sleeting or rain and it's cold. That that's that's way worse. I, I'll take the snow over that crap in Stillwater any day. So long, Dylan Gabriel. Plenty more portal. Uh, news tidbits to say you're you're calling oh you want to you want to uh, acknowledge the scripts what you're calling this whole thing
1: yeah i'd prefer yeah i mean i i'm this is this is my kind of like this is my my pitch to you this is what i would really like the episode to be called so um it's a 300th episode spectacular and i i named the script this and this is what the episode should be called <laughs> are you gonna say it Grant i guess man and the lee in the is... portal
0: verse of madness of course <laughs> Uh, that's, sure. Okay, fine. I don't think you've named an episode the first 299 times, so you might as well name your first one for 300. We might as well make it, might as well make it fun. I
1: mean, it's, it's, it's topical. I mean, this is the OU podcast cinematic universe. So we might as
0: well rip off a, uh... I just don't, I just don't care for Marvel stuff really, clearly as much as you do. And it's not about, it well, I mean, really, I,
1: you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. I just like pop culture, but there's, uh... You know, it's still, it's, it's kind of fun. You know, it's, it's okay to be hip and cool sometimes, Lee.
0: Okay. All right, so let's go down the list. Some big names, staying. One big name apparently could be leaving uh, out of nowhere, but we'll start with the good news. Danny Stutzman. So Stutzman, I, I can't remember the last time, I guess the last time we talked would have been after, after the last A- game of the after year. After the TCU game. Okay, so, yeah, we, we wouldn't have had It's anything, been a little over so. two
1: weeks. So, yeah, we never – I think the last thing that we said on Stutzman was that we just assumed he was
0: coming back. That sounds like something I'd say. I, I guess I just didn't really eh, – I mean, now that I think about it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I probably wasn't feeling super strong either way, but I probably would have been leaning towards him coming back. I just don't think he's like, – I don't see him as – I mean, the Kenneth Murray was a first-round pick. And I think Kenneth Murray, talent-wise, like athleticism-wise, that's probably why he was the first-round pick. I just don't see that with Danny. Maybe it's because he's been banged up the last half of the year. He looks kind of like he's moving slow. And I mean, his first six games, he was flying around, looked great. So you know, show that tape to the NFL scouts, and they'll be like, okay, yeah, I mean, maybe you know. But I I don't know what kind of. I don't think he'd be a. I don't think he would have been a first-round pick. Am I crazy to think of that? Like, I don't. I don't think. No, I don't. I I don't think linebackers aren't first-round picks anymore, just
1: in general. That doesn't really happen. That was a, unless you
0: go to Texas Tech. Yeah,
1: yeah. Unless you're what's his what's his name? Seattle. Um, yeah, Kendall. I, or I know. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know if I ever see Danny being a first round pick. I mean, he's he's got the size that you want for an NFL middle linebacker. I mean, that's for sure. He's big dude. Um, I know he moves well and everything, but um, no. I mean, I th- I think this is. Um, I think this is significant just because it kind of stops. I think a bit of a narrative that had been forming and and of course we're not even we're not even touching on the fact that it was reported last week that he told Brent Venables that he was that he was leaving that he was going to the NFL. So it was sooner scoop reported that. and um, they're sticking by their 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 reporting and everything and um, you know good for them I suppose. But um, and so yeah, it was it was pretty bit it was pretty dramatic over the weekend where Whenever it was reported that he had told Brent Venables that he was leaving, like I'll be honest with you, I was really bummed out about that. Was really bummed out. That was I wasn't expecting it, and if anything, like that, that told me like, oh, oh no, that's that's really not good. And so, why I'm really encouraged and why I'm really happy that he's coming back is because I'm just I'm tired of oh, OU guys leaving a year early before they should. There is it's just it has happened so many times. In this program's history, especially over the last decade, and I'm I'm very happy, and we're going to talk about Billy Bowman here later, but this is the first time that OU has had guys who could have gone to the NFL and probably would have been second or third round picks. Billy, I'm I'm honestly not sure. Probably have been more of a mid round pick. Um, that they decided not to just go and be a mid round pick, and they decided to come back and and maybe become an All American. And leave a legacy at OU That hasn't happened in a long time At OU Gerald McCoy is the last one I can think of That actually did that
0: That's a good point I didn't think of it that way uh, Certainly that, that type of situation I just don't recall it happening Because you know, there was a, a period of time When I just kind of checked out And I wasn't paying attention I know uh, What are some of the, the most f- famous ones Was it was before 2008 Or one or maybe before 2015 Or something Like what are the, some of the big names Of guys that That would have been helpful on a team I you've uh, well, said to me in the past. I mean, I the, the biggest one is when there received Malcolm Kelly. was not he one of those guys? Like, yeah, he comeback? was bang.
1: He was banged up though, and I think he was he was ready to move on. Um, like Curtis Lofton is the big one. He had one big season. Uh, yes, and, hey, I mean, he was, and you know, Curtis Lofton, He didn't win the butt kiss that year, but he was, he was, you know, he was a finalist, and he has he had a great year. and he was a second round pick, and he had a he had a great career in the NFL. So he's the one guy where it actually did kind of work out for him. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about the difference between. You know, a, you know, a year later against Florida, the national championship, you got Mike Balligan starting for you. And it could have been Curtis Lofton at middle linebacker with with Percy Harvin trying to run end arounds and stuff like that. Was Mike Balligan even playing in that game? Didn't he? Wasn't he ineligible?
0: No, Mike, Mike Balligan.
1: No, he started that game. Remember, Austin Box tore his ACL in, in Bedlam and he was the middle linebacker until until Balligan had to step in. Ryan Reynolds tore his ACL against Texas. Austin Box stepped in, kind of had a rough few games, and he started, he was start, the light was starting to come on. He tore his ACL in Bedlam against Oklahoma State. And then Balogun, OU was down to their third-string linebacker in the national championship game. Still played one of their best offensive games of the year. Crazy.
0: Hmm. Why don't... This was 2008? Yes. Austin Box was on the team in 2008? Yes, he was. I thought, the, I thought the Reynolds backup against Texas was some other, some other guy that came in.
1: Yeah, it was Brandon Crowe and then Austin Box supplanted yeah, him later in the year. The next week. Brandon Crowe like, never played another game for OU.
0: I don't think Balogun played against
1: That was the whole thing. Balogun like, was like, ineligible. certain that Mike Balogun started and played almost every snap of that game. So what was the whole deal with him being ineligible? Was it
0: like a, like did, did he not get an extra year? Or something? That was during the like, he season. Game? He wasn't he like wasn't eligible in the first half of the season. I remember I I could have sworn it was some there was some big game Oklahoma had that the NCAA was like no, nah, sorry can't play. And I thought that was a national championship game. Oh wait, 2014. That's old. Well, we can figure it out. Now I'm curious about filibuster. What the, what, filibuster. I'll look it up. I'm trying to remember whenever he, he did it. So, okay. So you said you, when Stutzman was announced that he was going to go, you know, made you say, I, I for me, it was like, all right, well, I mean, I guess he thinks he, it's his time. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'd prefer him coming back, but it could be worse. Uh, Oklahoma's pretty solid linebacker right now. So I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, but in order to take steps to have jumps, you had a
1: guy like Danny Stutzman is is certainly going to be a preseason first team All American. Like he is going to be viewed as potentially the best linebacker in college football coming into next year. OU needs guys like that. They need guys like that, especially going into the first year of the SEC. It's huge for narratives. It's huge for everything going forward. It was just it would have been much better. It, 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 or it is much better that OU is not having to deal with replacing that production. This is an OU defensively that once, that once Stutzman got banged up in the second half of the season, they were not the same at all. And that, that's like with run. Remember, like before he got banged up, OU straight up had one of the best run defenses in college football, bar none, compared to anybody. After he got banged up, they were kind of a sieve there. Weren't doing as well at all. Go and watch the TCU yeah. game. Go. He's, he is not healthy at all. He should not have been playing.
0: I mean, yeah, no, you're right. I just, this is what it is. I mean, it's, it's a lot better with him coming back. But uh, like they would have figured it out without him. Like, I just, you know, because you're going to have to. Like it well, it's like yeah, you so have anyway, to, but, but
1: it's it's better that you don't have to figure it out without him. No, it's agree. better that you're going to bridge that gap, and especially especially now you're you're you know you're pairing it with with Billy Bowman who is also coming back, and you have I mean boom just like that for the first time since, I mean obviously over a decade I don't remember the last time they're going to have two first team all Americans in the preseason. It's big. That's that's a big deal.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I guess they they might yeah. Okay, so yeah, Bowman's back. Great. I'm with you. Like, he had a great season. It certainly could have used some more time to get better. Yeah, that uh, was
1: the one. In I pass coverage. Billy Bowman <laughs> absolutely needs to come back. The reason why we're Billy Bowman is an excellent playmaker. He's a great play. He makes plays. He's got to get better in pass coverage, down to down, play to play. That's his. That's his thing. I mean, if he's not. In the offseason, if he's not just seven on seven all day long, just manning guys up, just getting better, I mean, that's what you got to do. That's his, that is going to raise his ceiling that much more. That's going to make him much more valuable for OU. Um, Cause that's, that's where he was not great this year. When he was tasked to cover a guy one on one in the slot, he wasn't bad at it, but he wasn't great either. If he can, if he can go from decent to great at that. There you go. There, there there is a guy who can compete for the Thorpe. People talking about it this year. Guys, get off the drugs. Stop. He's a really good player. He's not. He wasn't one of the three best defensive backs in college football this year. Yeah, I
0: just, you know, maybe in the SEC he'll get more credibility. Maybe that, maybe that's a big part of it. I just, you know, when I see uh, who ended up winning the Thorpe, I didn't pay attention to those awards. Was it, was it the kid from Iowa? It was a guy from Air Force. It? guy from
1: Air Force won yeah. it. So, okay. so that, that basically means nobody, nobody knew this season. Uh, Mike Baligan started in the uh, National Championship game against Florida.
0: Okay, so uh, as I skim it, maybe it was he, he missed out on a whole year of
1: eligibility. I remember what you're talking about. I just, I just think that it was a majority of the 2008 season, and near the end, like in November, he got cleared
0: and he was eligible to play. I think he might have missed the entire two thousand nine season because they they deemed him he was he had already used up all of his eligibility I'm looking at a story from august of 20, 2009 before the season starts and he was like trying to get a restraining order and stuff whatever who cares <laughs> uh let's see what else we got here well let's stick with uh okay so also today the Shocking news today is that offensive lineman Caden Green now is in the portal, according to on three. I think they were made that that uh, that report. And so that's surprising. A guy that ended up playing a lot last half of the season. Gave him a lot of credit in the Kansas game. Like I was watching him and he's like, this guy's really good. Him and um, oh, the guy from Deer Creek, I'm blanking on his name, Jacob Sexton, Sexton. Yeah, it's like, man, these guys are really good. God. Uh, play them more all the time Now i was in the portal so not ideal uh, i guess yeah, Lee, you're not
1: in the um you're not in the uh the ou message board universe anymore the fan base is absolutely losing their mind over this
0: i mean okay which is, yeah, this is Why? maybe not... We're, we're probably not the I mean, best yeah, people it's... to talk about this.
1: I, it's not good. I, I, don't, I don't like that Caden Green is leaving. Caden Green has a very, very high ceiling, very high upside. And um, we don't know what the full story of him leaving yet. I think it's a pretty safe assumption to say that it's NIL related. It's money related. And I yeah, all I know is that kind of the the message board, the internet fan base is is melting down about this. There's a lot of fire Bill Biedenboe type rhetoric and stuff like that um i feel like i've made my my stance on this very clear over the last seven years on this um ou has had a very good to great offensive line this was now the 14th consecutive season that has been the case i be careful what you wish for is all i have to say on that and with the Caden green thing i'd prefer to have him um but also at the same time and there's so much time so much time between now and when they kick off you know next august they they have time to scramble and figure something out, but no, it's not great. It doesn't. It you know you would prefer to be, you know, to have a to, to like to have your holster full going into the SEC and not having to scramble and getting guys in the portal. But this is this is what it is now. This is college football now, and like I've I've kind of told myself that I'm just I'm not gonna get too worked up over transfer portal NIL stuff because this is what it's gonna be. Period. And it's like yeah, I mean, you want the Caden, Caden Green is from Kansas City. He's from Missouri. Do the math.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see where he ends up going. Uh, it's just it's bizarre that obviously a guy that played us so much at the end of this past year, last half of the year, like uh, definitely going to be a, a starter going into next season, and now he wants to leave. So, and so yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, if it's, it's money, money related, okay, it's, but also it tells you he's just not he's not in. He's not all in with OU, and maybe he was not ever to begin with. So it's right. it's a money thing,
1: and you know what, it's. It is what it is. We're we're just we're just fans of the program and he's the one who is in that position to be able to make money. So I never know who I never know how I would react in a situation like that, but um yeah, I mean I guess if if you feel like you have a better opportunity to to you know to make your
0: life and your family's life better, you got to take it. Maybe we'll see. What, yeah, I mean if he ends up going closer to home, I mean then there also could be some family stuff too, or some people just don't like being away from home and they can't they can't cut it. I don't know. But yeah, man, so, I've been told we'll
1: I've been told that allowing the free transfers and allowing them is 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 the morally right position to have. So who am I to to push back against it? So there you go.
0: I mean, you're being facetious. I I, I don't I don't mind at all. I think it's fine. I, I mean, there's plenty of players out there, and they want to go. They want to go. It's just this is a weird one where the guy is. Normally, people transfer when they're not playing, and that's the weird. Like he's gonna be a starter going into the SEC, and so who knows? But we'll see how that transpires. I mean, Oklahoma did pick up a uh, commitment from an offensive lineman, a tackle. What from from Michigan State? Oh, I'm gonna go ahead and raid Let's, the whoa, Spartans. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa! No, I mean, uh, we're just staying on the offensive line. I, I tried well, yeah, to I, group, just, I tried to nice group these by importance. Because, like, we... So much has happened. Like, yesterday is, is when Stutzman announced that he was coming back. That was yesterday being Monday. And, of course, like, oh, vibes are good again. Stutzman and Bowman are both coming back. Really nothing unexpected has happened now. We're going into the, you know, we're, we're going to the SEC with a full clip. And then, boom, this morning, oh, you get a commit from Dion Burks, a what seemingly their number one wide receiver target in the portal, um, a guy who had a pretty solid season in his first year as a contributor at Purdue. Um... So anything that they can add to the wide receiver room, which I already think going into the next year is probably going to be one of the best in college football, is gravy. And then I think that's kind of why the the Caden Green news today sort of hit like a, you know, hit like you know, hit with a thump for sure, just because, you know, we had had back to back days of really good news, and so Caden Green happened. But yeah, they get uh, they get this this guy from Michigan State, Spencer Brown, who. You know, I I don't know, and this is where I need to look into more, but my my initial thought is uh, Michigan State right tackle is probably Jag. And I, that's probably unfair. But I, I, don't, I don't
0: know if I'd want anyone from that program unless his name's Keon Coleman. Yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, if anything, he's depth. I mean, he's made a lot of starts. That's what everyone says. He's made, you made a note of it here. He's made 24 career starts. That's all everyone's saying. He's a guy that has experience, and he'll have a, opportunity to win a job at Oklahoma but yeah I, I'm probably with you it's probably just a jag uh, but yeah I, I wanted to mention him because it is a good transition from Caden Green but then to go back to Dion Burks who oh you getting anybody out of the portal for like, at receivers like I, it's kind of shocking because they're so loaded there and I know I saw some clips of Jaleel Farouk today talking about it sounds like he might be leaning towards coming back as well uh, that's what he was saying so I mean obviously Drake Stoops is gone but then if Fruit comes back, then you got Fruit, Anderson, Gibson, got this Burks guy coming in. Uh, you got Pettaway, Uh There's probably a couple other younger guys I'm not even thinking of that, that no, could be contributors. Got, so. um,
1: the only other guys you're not accounting for who I think everybody's assuming they portal is L.V. Bunkley Shelton, your guy, L.V.B.S. Oh, oh man. <laughs> and, uh, and J.J. Hester are both probably going to portal. Um, and then you got the Hopkins got got receivers coming in um you know zion kearney that you know the guys i think everyone is most excited for but uh yeah i i i'd be honest with you guys this is i'm like i'm trying to look at it as objectively as i can OU is in exceptionally good shape at wide receiver going into the sec next year they are it is a very good group
0: yeah and if jackson arnold's a guy that can distribute the football the way i hope he can the way uh you know you look at his arm talent the first third of the season whenever he would play and he was throwing the ball wherever he wanted and granted it's going to be a a huge step up in competition Uh, this is what you want surrounding a guy like that and an offense uh, with Seth Luttrell calling plays who's a really good offensive mind good offensive coordinator Uh, Dion Burks just before we started recording I was going back and watching some of his plays from Purdue this past year by the way this is it was his third year at Purdue like this is the first time he's been used I mean he for two years he wasn't doing anything so who knows what that means but he was the best receiver this year, by far. Granted, it's Purdue. They're awful. Uh, so, at least if they're going to get a player from Purdue, it's, it might have been their best player. Hey, man, Purdue, that was <laughs> the best offense in the Big Ten West. Good. And I think that was Hudson Card, which, uh, you know, couldn't cut it at Texas. And uh, certainly, Purdue's like, well, pick up your scraps. And I think he played all year. <laughs> and, yeah, that's not good. And so, so he's a... Uh,
1: and his his numbers weren't staggering or anything, um, but he's explosive. He he had a lot
0: of long touchdowns this past year. So that's he's very inconsistent. He'll make mistakes. He'll throw picks, and uh, but Burks, man, I was watching his. Like, he blew up in game one against Fresno State. The number one thing on his highlight reel you, you'll see is he had like an eighty-four yard touchdown where he caught it, broke a couple tackles, and then blazed by everybody in the secondary of Fresno State. And, uh, well, I won't steal your thunder. You had a comp to him uh, off air before we started recording. And uh, I, I think that's not, not terrible, not a terrible comp.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, um, he's a little bigger than this guy. He's a little taller, about two inches taller, maybe an inch and a half taller. But it looks like, OU finally found their uh, Mario Williams replacement from a couple years ago. They look exactly the same when they play.
0: And he does. He, he looks bigger than he's listed. I think he's listed at like 5'10", 5'11". He kind of looks bigger than that on the field, and he can run. He's fast. Like I am. Um, no offense I to Julio it, Farouk, but I, I said seeing those highlights, I kind of think like that's kind of what I wanted Julio Farouk to be <laughs> this year for Oklahoma. There was a uh, there's a Pete
1: Thamel write up about him and his commitment to OU on ESPN today, where or uh, well, I mean he he kind of he he quotes some like anonymous scouts saying that you know this guy actually like he had some scouts like wondering if he was going to get into the draft this year, but he has a. Um, he has a reputation for being a workout warrior. Like, he is a crazy gym guy. So, like, the... Which is great. I mean, you're coming into... And, and hopefully, that's something where, you know, where Jerry Schmidt can, you know, can maximize his gains. His gains in the gym while also not losing any speed. So, we'll see. I think that's a good pickup. I wouldn't be surprised if they're not... If they don't do much else um, at the receiver position. They're certainly going to go after some tight ends um man they got a guy who i am just they're looking at and i think they've offered him who i am so so intrigued by as a tight end a guy from southeastern louisiana named bauer sharp um i don't know it's interesting go look him up a little bit when we get off of here lee but he's um sounds like an ice skate man but yeah he's he's kind of an interesting type deal you watch him and he is like he just looks like kind of like a freak athlete at tight end and uh, was on a bad FCS team, but it looks like he was by far their best offensive player, and so I'm curious about that one, but obviously they need some help at tight end in the portal. Um, and now, I mean, they've already gotten Spencer Brown from Michigan State, and I, I mean, they got to take at least two more guys on the offensive line, and um, and with Caden Green going, I mean, that, that stings, but you got to dust yourself off, and you, you got to get into the fight with this stuff. I... They got to throw some money around here. I'm and I'm sure they have a plan and I'm sure they don't want to overreact. But eventually you're going to have to play the game and get in there. And um, I don't know. It's 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 okay to go and spend some money on a good offensive lineman.
0: Well, also, when it comes to next season, maybe, uh, you know, I like Bill Bedenboe, too. But man, figure out your 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 starting five earlier and stick with it. Stop this. I mean, maybe the first two, three games, sure. mess. Like, Get to five and stick with it. I mean, who knows how much that has messed with them, You know, certain guys, the last few. Because I feel like when they finally decided to, I, I kind of came at the same time, right? When they finally decided to go with their five this year, it was kind of late in the season, also kind of came around the same time that they decided to play Gavin Satchuk a lot more and Tommy Walker a lot more. Weird. And everything started to look better. And unfortunately, it doesn't to, escape me couple then. games.
1: Even when they were just kind of farting around on the offensive line, every time they gave it to Tawi Walker, everything
0: looked well. So yeah, that's a good point. And you know, if they would have given Gavin Soscheck more chances early in the year, I'm sure he probably would have gotten the hang of it a lot sooner too than having to wait until the last, you know, 33 percent of the season. And speaking of Tawi Walker, know. we'll move
1: on to him actually in a couple of minutes. Um, but we also need to we we need to mention the other portal commit they got: uh, San Diego State cornerback Desjan Malone, Des Malone. Uh, is what we will call him on this podcast, unless you want to call him his full name. I don't know. But uh, I see him. He's a big guy. Oh, he's a big, one. long guy. He's over. A, he's like a he's like a six 2 like over 200 pound corner. And then like when I when I watch him and then like I, I'm i just like, yeah, this is just kind of a CJ Colden redo, which is great. That sounds great to me. CJ Colden was a guy who I it, it would have been good if he would have come back there because he's better than Woody Washington.
0: I mean, if he is, he should have played a lot more last year until instead of, like, the Texas game was the first time he played snaps. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was good. So, I mean, I like big, tall, lengthy corners. That's what this guy is. So, obviously, any depth in the secondary is good. I mean, opposite of Woody Washington, they were, I mean, Ginchier was great, but he, you can't trust him to be healthy. So, I mean, they need more depth there. And, I don't know, I didn't particularly think we saw a whole lot from the other younger corners this year. They got a lot of run. I mean, I didn't see a whole lot from Macari Vickers, uh, we, who was the other guy we saw him towards the very end of the year a little bit?
1: Josiah Wagner, Wagner
0: at the end of the year. He played a
1: lot against TCU. Yeah, yeah I, didn't... I didn't see much. I, I thought Vickers is a guy who looks good in his uniform. It's like It looks like his length will play really well at this level. But he got banged up at the end of the year. We didn't see a lot of Jacoby Johnson. I think he probably has the best athletic pedigree of anybody um, at that spot. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're going into next year, and you're hoping that bringing in a veteran like this, they still don't know if Woody's going to come back. He might um bringing a veteran like this I, th- I think is good especially when you know with gentry he can't stay healthy and can i like can i walker is what's fine as a guy like that you can throw into in an emergency but he's not a guy that you want to play 75 percent of the snaps on defense and um so yeah bringing in a guy like this maybe this will kind of bring other guys along maybe the light will come on for one of like you know vickers johnson and, and wagner in the offseason season. Cause man, it'd be it'd be great if somebody emerged and they just had like a stud corner. Man, that would that would make things so much easier.
0: It is wild to me that Woody Washington can still come back. I, that's that's crazy. I remember I remember asking him uh, asking him before the holiday or the Holiday Bowl, the Alamo Bowl in twenty twenty one if he was coming back. because <laughs> it was like uh, oh, he can go pro, and he said yeah. There's literally been two seasons since then, and he can actually still come back. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's wild.
1: And I think it's because he didn't. I think it's technically he didn't. He didn't burn a year of eligibility in 2019. I don't think. Hey, redshirt. I don't think he played in, in over. Uh, yeah, he ends like we know because he cause he played a ton in the in the Peach Bowl evisceration, but um, but that was in the second half. That was after Justin Boyles got pulled. So.
0: See, three, four, five. I mean, this, I mean, that would be his seventh year in college. Throwing the fact that you got to see, no, it 19, wouldn't. 20, 21. 2019 was his first year in college. Oh, okay. I can't count. Six years. Yeah. I can't count. But even with that, even with, even if he didn't redshirt, he'd still get the COVID year, or unless that would have already counted. I guess that would maybe would have counted then. So, yeah. So his, like, his, his
1: eligibility clock didn't start until that 2021 season, that first time <laughs> that we, that we asked him, are you coming back? And it was a question. I remember it being an open question whether or not he would, which is, it's, that's patently absurd to think about now. He's, Woody is not an NFL player. He's not an NFL guy at all. So, um, yeah, he, he'd be smart I, to come back. It's one of those things like I, it wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a bad thing if Woody came back, but it'd be one of those things that you hope he gets his job taken at some point in time. Like, Woody's not a bad player. I wouldn't say he's a jag at all, but he is, if at his absolute best, he is a
0: slightly above average slash useful college football. Well, I think he's a good player. That's, could, and that's basically I, th- it. I think his, his coverage skills are, are pretty solid. And I think he can tackle. So and, and he's steady. He's steady. So, I mean, he's... No, I mean, I think he's a guy that you definitely... I mean, yeah, if he got his job taken, that would be one. I mean, hey, welcome to the SEC. as his cutthroat. And also, that shows you, wow, I, they got some talent there at that position. And Vinny's gonna go ahead and decide, nope, sorry, senior seniority's not gonna matter here. We're gonna we're gonna play the best players. But that would be surprising.
1: But that would be, you know, that'd be a situation where if he if he comes back, they would have to have that conversation. Where it's like, yeah, man, you're you're on even ground. I mean, he would obviously get the first run at it, which he should. And so I mean, yeah, that, that's that's the one thing there, where man. it's like, yeah, I don't think it's ever I mean, bad. Can't stay it's, never bad sixth, <laughs> it's never bad to have a sixth it's never bad to have a sixth year corner would like someone a little bit more athletically gifted at that spot.
0: Let's switch back over from defense to offense. And uh, this is probably more surprising to me than, even though we're not really sure where this is going, but it's just kind of surprising. Then the Caden Green stuff is, you know, saw some tweets today from guys that were out of practice. Uh, some, some pictures of, uh, I saw a tweet from this guy, an X from this guy, Tawi Walker. And, you know, he's in these, I, I guess he entered the portal after our last podcast, we haven't talked about that either. He answered it the same day DG did. Okay, yeah. And so... So the first day, and that last was, Monday. I, I, that was shocking because... Well, shocking is too strong of a word. It was somewhat surprising to me because Oklahoma clearly showed at the end of the year, like, okay, Tom, we yeah, we know that you're our, maybe our best back. Gavin was starting to play better probably at the end there, but definitely the top two. And you would hope going into 2024 that Tawi Walker would be a guy that would be either number one or number two on the depth chart and then go from there, you know, fall camp, or whatever, and see if any of the younger guys can beat him out. And then he gets in the portal and does, well, I mean, maybe he was jerked around a lot this year. I mean, it's from the outside looking in, it seemed like he was jerked around and part of me was like, you know what? I kind of don't blame him because he can go somewhere else and somebody else can probably see his talents and, and play him as much as he should. But now it's it appears that I, I don't know if we have any sort of solid news or evidence, but maybe he's going to play in the Alamo Bowl, or like at least he's practicing. That's that's kind of bizarre to me. Yeah, I don't know
1: exactly how it's going to turn out, but it does. He's practicing. He he tweeted out today or zed it out. How do you He's X, just like bowling pins and X a bowling ball. That. So I mean, so he's just, he's bowling. I'm assuming that just means that he's going to play uh, in the bowl. I was wondering what that meant. Um, yeah. That, yeah, it's kinda yeah, pretty pretty clever on his part, huh? Yeah. Bowling pins, bowl. Oh wow. <laughs> who could've who could have ever made that connection? It took um, me a while. I, I yeah, I I would be honest with you. We didn't we didn't podcast after this. We talked I was um, It's been very obvious my thoughts on this about how they've handled Tawi Walker this year. If you listen to the podcast. I I, I don't even want to like speculate. He was jerked around. Obviously he was jerked around. Um this is a guy who until I think maybe game 9 this year until like Bedlam or the West Virginia game was so very obviously the best running back on the team and the coaching staff did not treat him like that. Period. This is a guy who is absolutely a Power 5 level starter, is a really good player, and yeah, he's going to he's going to get a payday at a Power 5 program. He's going to come in and he's going to be he's going <laughs> to he's going to have a bigger role than he would at OU. I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him there. That's a good player. And that's
0: it's not a good thing for OU to lose. The him. first time they really treated him as well, you know what? I think you might be right. I was gonna say the first time they treated him. Okay, he wasn't the starter in this game, but the first time, and I said it after the game, and I that was my biggest takeaway, was the Kansas game. That's when they started feeding him the ball because the coaching staff realized we can't mess around here. We have to give the ball to our best guy. And they knew all along he was their best guy. And for whatever reason, they weren't giving him the ball that much before that game. And they started writing Tawi Walker. And they all, they wrote him too much because he ended up getting banged up and injured in that game, which ended up kind of affecting the rest of the season for him. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just – it was very frustrating, man. Because I was going to say they treated him like the starter against Oklahoma State, but I guess Gavin Sachuk finally was treated like the starter against Oklahoma State. But then against Oklahoma State – they were throwing in Javante Barnes randomly here and there for no reason. No, he was bang he was banged up in oh, yeah, that's remember, right. even though that's he right. didn't
1: yeah. he didn't really look that banged up. He looked way more banged up the next two weeks. But um I don't know. I'm I'm the whole Tawi situation this year frustrates the hell out of me. Because I'm sorry, the only way to explain it is incompetence. The coaching staff screwed up. I it's and it's I think we talked about it. It's that inc- it was that incongruity between Jeff Lebby and the rest of his staff. And I mean, I think that was a big part of it. And I don't, like I said, I know it kind of calmed down over the last four games of the year when they when they finally settled into a normal running back rotation. It took eight games. Eight wow. games
0: to figure it out. It what? Why did should, we have it figured there out should still after be, one
1: game? There should still be a ton of skepticism about DeMarco Murray going into next year. He did a bad job this year. Did a
0: really bad job this year, period. And who knows if it's DeMarco mixed with Levy because that's... Back-to-back years, the only two years now that obviously Levy, two years and gone, with DeMarco Murray as the running backs coach, that's two years now where we've got to the end of the season, and granted, at this time last year, we weren't there, but after the bowl game last year, when we saw Gavin Sacha we like, what the heck, where, where was that? And again, I know that there was, I heard some like rumors that maybe he was just injured all season long. I don't know if that's true. I don't really buy it. I After this year, I just don't know if they know how to evaluate the running back room. I, that's two years in a row where like, I think Gavin, Grand Eric Gray was there last season. Eric Gray's a very good player. So, but it would have been nice to have Eric Gray and Gavin Sachuk instead of Eric Gray and Javante Barnes as the top two. Throw in Barnes as number three and get Marcus Major out of there. Sorry, Marcus. Uh, so, and then this year, they're messing around, jerking around, trying to force feed us Marcus Major down our throats. And it takes him to get injured and not available for them to finally kind of, well, they were still trying to figure it out with Tawi and gavin and the nixon javante barnes and it was just, it was a mess imagine if marcus major would have been healthy the entire time do we even start to see gavin Sachuk as much as we saw him this season i haven't even thought about that until right now i don't know <laughs> i really don't know
1: i i can't tell you the amount of times that like the amount of time that i spent just agonizing over a comment that i made and uh, right after the, the Vinny's first spring game. So, you know, a year and a half ago when like, you know, that OU football church service that we talked <laughs> about, which was <laughs> that was great, which was so nice. But I, I like I saw because, you know, sometimes I'll sit and I'll think about some of the stuff I say in the podcast and be like, man, why did I say that? That was dumb. That was obviously ruled by by passion and emotion. But I said something after that game. It was after Tawi Walker had like a couple of carries on, you know, in a, and where he looked good. He, just, he looked like Tawi Walker that way. And. I remember saying on this podcast, Tawi Walker showed more in those two carries than Marcus Major ever has in his, like, four years of his career at Oklahoma. And I remember going and being like, ah, you know, that was probably just agonizing about that. Like, that was a stupid thing that you said. Like, that was just a... It's like, one, you cut down Marcus Major, and you shouldn't do that. And then... But then, fast forward, and it's like, oh, my God, that was so obviously correct!
0: (laughs) I do, yeah. Now that you bring that up, I do remember that <laughs> he was so obviously better than Marcus Major just from seeing him carry it twice. Now I'm kind of curious what my reaction to that was. And I don't remember what I said. Uh, I may I may have backed you up. I don't know. Maybe I defended Marcus, but uh, toby Walker, I, I I never ever remember a time since he's been at OU and since he, where I've thought eh, I'm not into toby Walker. Every time I've seen him with the ball or get chance, I've always liked it. He's always looked good, <laughs> whether it be the spring game or like random garbage time like whenever he would get the ball i would think yeah pretty good i like this guy and sure enough for two-thirds of this season until they finally started giving the ball to gavin Sachuk a lot he was the best running back on the team but you would not never known it if you looked at the stats or like at least the, the number of carries and for the, the guys for carry that was that was always the best he always had the highest that <laughs>
1: And I said it, I mean, the, the person that I comped him to after that spring game, and I, I stand by this, and this is after I've recently watched the, you know, some games back from 2008 again, he's Chris Brown. That's who he is. They're the same player. They're the same quality of player. They're, he's just solid, runs through arm tackles. Nobody likes to tackle him.
0: Yeah, I think you brought that up before. I'd say I, I think Chris Brown's more explosive, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're both kind of bowling ball shape the same way we're the same number <laughs> uh so yeah i mean looking at the numbers and just again because we're jerks we want to just drive this home i mean uh, final stats just looking at it i mean marcus his last game was ucf and again the one positive i'll say about major is that oh you didn't lose a game with him in there this year <laughs> they, they were unbeaten when he got hurt that Ended, like, ended up corresponding with an Oklahoma Star to lose. But man, he had 18 carries against UCF for 82, 4.6 yards per carry. Honestly, it was one of his best games of the season. On a yards per carry. Marcus Major had 78 carries this year. Only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Under 4 yards per carry in college is awful, especially getting that many carries. Tawi ended up playing more, you know, more games, obviously. Only got... 17 more carries all year than marcus major got 17 more carries Tawi averaged 5.2 yards per carry over five in college is good really good obviously the, the best guys are like you know five and a half the crazy guys are like six that don't get as many carries so i mean it's just it was but it was clear as day we've said it before on this podcast it was clear as day after the first game of the year after game number one, he was the he had the best day against Arkansas State, lowly Arkansas State, in a day where go back like, oh, you did not run the ball very well. Tawee Walker did. <laughs> he ran the ball pretty pretty well, just fine. Nobody else did. And for whatever reason, from there on out, uh, like, there was like what there was one game I think maybe where he kind of got a bunch of carries. It was a game four was it? Who did they play? SMU maybe? I think SMU. He got a ton of carries, but other than that, it was kind of like until Kansas he didn't get a whole lot of run crazy
1: Tawi Walker's a good player. It's a good player. It's I don't I don't like it when good players walk out of the program seemingly because he didn't get the shot that he earned. Exactly. And so I I I and yeah, I don't know the full story behind it, but I'm I'm fully in Tawwi Walker's corner here. I this is this is a situation where I guess yeah, this is what the transfer portal is is being used, you know, for a good reason here. I and like I don't, I don't want, I don't want OU to to lose out on him because he's a really good player. They're really going to need him, and you know, short yardage situations going to the SEC. They jerked him around this year, and you're, they're paying the piper now. That's that's what's happening. And you know what? Good on Tawi Walker. I'm I'm happy that he's going to lend lend his services for one more game here at OU. Give him the freaking ball in that game, please. And, and then give him the ball 20
0: times, watch him run for 140 yards, and then give him some money and please ask him to come I back. I mean, at this rate, though, I've never heard of a guy getting into the portal but then playing the ball I mean, I think there's a good chance he comes back at this time, like at this point. That be It's so bizarre. Like, why would you risk getting, one, getting hurt? And normally, like, again, I'm not an expert on this, but I've heard that when, when players go into the portal, it's almost like that current team. I mean, even if you're in a good relationship, they're kind of like, they cut ties. It's like, all right, well, they had some guys.
1: They had some guys who were in the portal who played for them in the last Alamo Bowl after Riley left.
0: I can't oh. remember names, but it happened. I remember that? Oh, okay. Well, take it back then. So, okay. So there's other guys. So are, you have this list here on the on the rundown. Are these guys that actually have gotten in the portal?
1: Yes, these are all people wow. in the portal. I,
0: the, I bolded the people who are significant. Oh, I. You didn't bold uh, your future first round draft pick. <laughs> Who you, I don't know who you're talking about. What I'm sorry. You, I must, I must be the, having... Uh, yeah, never mind. I'm misremembering. I'll go down the list. So Mar, uh, Speaking of Marcus Major, he's in the portal. Very curious to see where Marcus Major ends up. Smothers going to the portal. Didn't like that. I guess that there was reports that he was close to maybe leaving preseason or something like that. I don't know if that's out there.
1: Yeah, he he left the team so for did? like two weeks earlier okay, this So season. maybe he always kind of so had so one foot out the door. And that's... And, yeah, hey, I, I, with the one thing, like this is... Like you know, the, the obviously botching of the running back room this past season, notwithstanding, running back is always the position where it's okay to lose some guys, I suppose. And of course, I say that right after I just I went to bat for Tawee Walker. Um, I don't I don't think Daylon Smothers leaving is is going to be that big of a deal.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those young guys. But I know they got some other young players, and uh, I've noticed Javante Barnes is still on the team, so maybe you know another guy that kind of was jerked around a little bit was Barnes. Uh, I mean, as much as anyways that who knows maybe he can get back and get more run next season we'll see who else they get out of the portal if anybody uh dj graham dj graham you know i was really hoping for the dj graham resurgence i love how he uh you know he he goes over to the defensive back to, to play or to play more and then for some reason he decides he wants to go back to wide receiver because he was comfortable and did that in high school and he he's better at receiver but it just happens to come at the time when oklahoma now is loaded at wide receiver then he gets hurt DJ Graham was a great interview. I remember he was always very thoughtful and would go into detail and stuff. So I, I was, it was really disappointing that it didn't work out with him defensively because I think he's got a lot of talent. But I, his heart wasn't in it. He didn't like playing defense. I, I think I'm going to decide. And if I'm, I'm going to guess he's transferring. I'm going to guess he's going to want to play receiver somewhere. So best of luck to him. Good kid. Super talented. Super athletic. He'll always have the Nebraska one-handed interception that – was cool and got him on a t shirt, but overall, who cares? DJ Graham never heard of him. I don't who is that? All right, moving on. Jason Llewellyn. Llewellyn, huh? Man, I thought I was really excited about him. And then now he like he either didn't play or he's never been able to say healthy. Like, so all right. Yeah, I don't have any these are the people, yeah, I don't
1: these are the people that I just I just don't these are these are guys who you were not counting on to be part of the program. So this is just kind of... This is what it is. Nate Anderson's in there, too. Marcus Hicks is in there. Kelvin uh, Gilliam, who was a blue-chip recruit. And I think I'm mean, still just like on the message boards, people still kind of trying to like insert Gilliam into the mix. Like, oh, he's bad. And then, nah, man, that guy's the jaggiest of jags. Like, look at his like... You just look, you just look at the guy standing there and you realize he's not a college football player. Gilliam was... He's the smallest-looking, like, 300-pound guy I've ever
0: seen. Guy's tiny. Uh, Gilliam, his whole thing when he first got to OU was that he was the strongest guy on the roster. He could push people around. I,
1: I don't know. I mean, he's he is just a... He is very small. I don't know how that's the case. Or maybe that
0: was Co. It made more sense if it was Co because he played more. I think it was Gilliam, though. No, no, I, you're right. I mean, Gilliam was,
1: had, like a, had, like, workout warrior things attached to him and, like, how he was just, like, a... Just throwing up weight like crazy. I... I Never seen it. The guy is like, guys like a small frame. He's not that big
0: of a guy. And then you got Reggie Grimes, who, I mean, looks just like an absolute monster in his uniform. And he's six four, and and I just I see him and I think how how can you not get on the field and contribute? I, I just I wish I had that kind of. I mean, he played a. He got all the opportunity in the world last year to do that and he was i know that's what i'm like how how can you be built like that and just be so much of a non-factor i like i would kill like i would kill to have that frame i don't know
1: granted it's easy for me to say reggie grimes reggie grimes from literally the moment he stepped on campus carried himself like a 10-year nfl veteran Way he looked on the field, like the way that he dressed, the way that he spoke, one just like just a pro up and down. I know until the whistle blows and he's got to play.
0: I mean, he he had some good moments here and there, but man, I think was it last season where it was probably last season where we were talking like now he was great in the non conference. He was great in the non conference last year and then just disappeared. That, that was like the ongoing bit, right? We were like, is, is Reggie Grimes on the team still? Like I I don't see him. So he's gone. He gone. And uh some some bigger names. You got Bull here, Savion Bird in the portal. So another offensive lineman out the door. Not great, uh but you know, I yeah, you know, it's it takes a lot for me to to really react big to anything like that in December, whenever there's all this offseason time. I just that's just kind of the way my brain works. And then Key Lawrence in the portal. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, the Key Lawrence experiment was fun. I. We could do like an impromptu. Uh, remember our our super uh, controversial bit preseason about which one of these players will be you know will have the least impact. Who was it? Was it? It was Key Marcus Major, and who was the third guy? oh, how could oh I can't remember. That's that's bad. It was oh, Grimes, oh, it was Harrington. It? it was Harrington, but he got injured. So. Harrington's kind of like, we don't know. I mean, he was he was playing. He got hurt in like, what, week two or three? It was it SMU? SMU game, maybe? He got hurt in the
1: SMU game. I, I do think we can say Harrington was very obviously a big piece to this defense. And him getting hurt was what kind of made them sort of rethink things, pretty obviously. So it's tough. Between Key and Marcus Major, I think... Like Key played more, he was still playing, but he Key was really bad in the second half of the year.
0: Like he was he was real bad. I think the difference is I think he still somewhat kind of earned snaps, whereas I really do think they were just they were force feeding us Marcus Major for no reason. There there are times
1: there are times when Key Lawrence flashes and it's like, yes, that guy is a freak athlete who knows what he's doing. But it's just those moments are just too far and, you know, too far and few in between. And um, it looks like uh, if you follow anything, it's like uh, Ole Miss is the likely destination for him. So oh, he is. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's, he's good enough to play at a at a high power, lot, you know, power five team. He just he's got to get his head right, man. He just he busts so you know much. He should
0: go. He should go to the Big Ten. Go to, like, Iowa and just be, like, a downhill run stopper, even though he was awful at coming down in the alley. Oh, man. But he's not great in pass I coverage. I kind of feel like that's whenever he flashed, though. That's when he flashed, like,
1: his really maybe, good yeah. plays, whenever I he just, would.
0: like, I feel like he would take some weird angles a lot of the time, too. He's, he needs to go to a conference where they just don't throw as much, and he can just focus on stopping the run. Maybe he can play some, uh, some Sam linebacker. <laughs> good athlete, great
1: athlete even, maybe. Looks awesome in his uniform. That's what I'll yeah. say about
0: him. Uh, and he was always a good interview too. He's nice, nice guy. He's just
1: one of those guys. Like, oh, yup, see, ya. yeah, I like he good, good ambassador for the program. And good, like he's he's been here. He was here for three years, man. I mean, that's Crazy. and he he was he, he was a he was a significant contributor all three years. So um, this must
0: be a grad transfer thing then, hope he, uh, hope right? Because he already had the one transfer. Yeah, he's he. Yeah, yes, you can if when you're graduating, you can still transfer yeah. for free. Because I mean, obviously, that's where OU got him. They got him from Tennessee. So. And he hasn't. I don't think he's redshirted at all. So I think his four years are, yeah. So this guy, he's got to be a, a grad transfer. It is also his, his COVID year doesn't count oh. either. So he's probably got okay, two years yeah. left. Because I think, man, can can you grad transfer and then play two years?
1: No, he's just got one year left. He's just got one year left. You can grad transfer whenever you graduate. But can you play like, like
0: multiple seasons as a grad transfer? Because you know, they always do like one year.
1: Yes. Huh yes if you graduate in two years then you you still have two years of
0: eligibility by the way random sidebar I think the NCAA rules one the NCAA is a joke to begin with the fact that when you start college your eligibility clock that's when it begins as far as whether you're playing sports or not is a terrible rule I think if you don't play sports you should always have eligibility and this would never happen but like you know what right now I played two years of college baseball. I think if I wanted to go back to college right now for some reason and some team wanted to let me play football for them, I should be able to do that because I, I only used two years of eligibility for the NCAA. I should have three years left, including a red shirt. I think it's dumb that the clock starts when you're a kid. It's, and that's like why you, sometimes you'll see those, those guys that like serve, their, you know, go overseas and join the Army. and like they don't, they're, they're 27 and they're going to college for the first time and there's this old guy that's playing college football or whatever because he's never started his clock of eligibility because he went to the Army or did what played baseball. I don't know. Anyway, that's my sidebar uh, random rant of the day. I think it's a stupid rule. If a 45-year-old guy has never played college football and he's good enough to make a team and a guy wants to sign him to a, a letter of intent, that guy should be able to play and get a scholarship.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah, I totally trust the NCAA to be able to govern that. And no, I mean LeBron
0: James should be able to go play college basketball if he wanted
1: to. He has four years of eligibility. The NCAA has literally, the NCAA is like a year or two away from having zero say in college football whatsoever. So, which is, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that's a good thing. I do. But NCAA is a joke. That's a
0: that's a conversation for another day. Uh, let's wrap it up. uh Some more names. A couple of guys are going to the draft. Tyler Guyton. That was kind of uh everyone kind of assumed that one was going to happen. And oh uh, yeah, Tyler Guyton opted out after Bedlam. <laughs> okay.
1: Period. <laughs> I like they were saying he was he wasn't hurt. He just he just didn't want
0: to play. And Andrew Rame. Andrew Rame's going to be gone. Great. I mean, I feel like Andrew Rame just got here and now he's going to go to the NFL. So. All right. Got to find a new center. I uh, gotta find some. Uh, gotta find a new guard. And get some tackles. I mean, I,
1: I, I like. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think like people talking about Tyler Guyton as a potential first round pick. Like, yeah, sure, that's fine. You're gonna have to explain to me why Jacob Sexton is clearly better than. I've him. never
0: understood that. Like, I, he's super tall. Is it because he's like I guess supposedly super athletic for a big guy? I, I don't know. I. It's his. He's a. He's, he's a, long. A, he's got in long the arms. NFL, it's all about pass yeah. blocking.
1: It's he's a. He is a, he's got the perfect pedigree of an elite NFL pass blocker. He's, he can't ask him to, to run block. He can't do it. But, he'll, I mean, yeah, he'll be able to protect, protect the
0: passer pretty well in the league. Well, that's presumably. what Oklahoma's done. I mean, <laughs> Oklahoma's protected the passer really well for a lot of years in a row. And lastly, you already mentioned Woody Washington. A couple other guys, Grant, that we're kind of waiting to see what they do.
1: Oh, yeah, just a, just a few guys on... On the defensive line, Jacob Lacey, Terry, and Trace Ford are the three people who can come back, but we have not heard anything definitive. Uh, I was there, and all four of those, uh, Woody included, they all were introduced on senior day. So um, we'll see how that turns out. Um, Jacob Lacey and Terry are the big ones. Those guys, it would be really big if they came back for OU. That would be a... They really need. I'd that like to all happen. four
0: of them. I mean, I know Trace Ford was kind of hit and miss, but he's an extra body with a lot of experience. I all four of those guys. Back it was. You're right.
1: It's never a bad thing to to bring back four guys with a ton of college football experience and like all guys who, like I, I was, I was really pleasantly surprised by Jacob Lacey this year. was just a really solid player yeah. for them. Um, would like to would like to see him come back. And Dejounteary was was honestly like in our wildest dreams
0: was was everything that kind of people My man expected Dijon, him to that was, he was That was solid. the guy I was most really excited good. about of the transfer guy. I just I loved it and he he panned out. He was great. And I, I, I'm i hoping that and I know that DeJean Terry, I mean, these guys are like relatively new OU guys. Trace Ford's an Oklahoma person. Like he went to OSU. He's from Oklahoma, so he might be more into it. I'm kind of hoping that the novelty of going to the SEC and like all this new, cool, like I hope that that gets guys to stay and that's kind of like why it's even more surprising with Caden Green but who knows what that story is but like that's I mean that's that had to have factored in for Stutzman and Billy Bowman too I mean one they're not really ready I mean yeah could they go and try to make a roster yeah they could but the novelty of coming back and trying to play for something you got Jackson Arnold coming in that's super fun SEC and plus now in NIL you can get paid you can get you can make money in college too so you're it's not like you're getting nothing like that's so ho- i mean if all four of those guys come back that would be terrific especially you throw in we talked about julio farouk if he indeed comes back as well i mean good stuff all right well we've gone for an hour and 10 minutes on all this uh non alamo bowl stuff so i think we can probably save a lot of our alamo bowl stuff for later we can give our initial thoughts this is the bowl game that everyone widely predicted it happening for what like two or three weeks, it seemed like, leading up to the last game of the year. And then, of course, it happens. <sighs> and it's a game in which now that Gabriel is transferred and Jackson Arnold's going to start, that certainly adds a lot more oomph. And even if Gabriel was still here, I, I, I'd still – yeah, you want to watch Gabriel play, i would be, be cool. I just think maybe for the team, if there was going to be any sort of doubt of how into it they're going to be, and maybe they would have been super into it for Dylan because he's a leader, and they probably would have been. It's just this makes it more interesting, I think, kind of similar in a way to the last time they're in the Alamo Bowl. Granted, Caleb wasn't a new starter. He'd been playing a while. But the big draw for the last Alamo Bowl against Oregon was obviously Bob Stoops, was going to be the head coach. And, you know, Cale Gundy's going to call plays. How's that going to – and the offense was terrific. I mean, the offense was fun. It was great. Now you throw in a new quarterback this time that we've seen a bit of. And now you got Seth Luttrell coming in. I would assume he's gonna take over the full role. I don't know why he wouldn't. So that's kind of the fun part. And then you hope that the defense, with a month to prepare and rest, can kind of get back to what they looked like in the first six games of the year. So I think as much as this matchup is weird, because you see Arizona, it's like this isn't this isn't basketball. Uh, they're a very good football team. They've I think they've won like seven or eight in a row. I mean they're on a crazy win streak, and they're going to smell blood and they're going to want to come and, and knock off OU. So, uh, it's a weird matchup, but it's definitely a lot more interesting to me today than it was two, three weeks ago.
1: Yeah. I've started to come around on it a little bit more. Um, I think my, my thoughts on it pretty closely mirrored our friend, Brady Trantham when I, I just thought I, I was really disappointed when they, they didn't get a new Year's six game. Um, I thought I thought OU's season. I thought they deserved a better bowl destination than what they actually got. And um, makes it just it makes it just harder to swallow uh, the teams that got into the New Year's Six over Ridiculous. them. Ridiculous, outrageous. Um, yeah, I, I just it's it is what it is. Hey, like every single like most deserving model or whatever that tries to like that takes the polls in the past and the committee rankings in the past all of them had OU behind those four teams also. And so, which I don't, which I still don't understand. I do not understand how that's the case. It's when I look at it, when I line all teams up, it's very clear that it's just strength of schedule. It's just the raw strength of schedule number. That's the only thing that can explain it. Um, That doesn't necessarily explain Penn State because Penn State and OU's strength of schedule are actually pretty similar. Um I, I don't know what to tell you guys but oh you got left out of the New year 6 cuz they're in the Big 12 and not the Big 10 or the, the SEC. Oh, 100%. Um, but that's not that's not going to be an issue next year. I the, the one that and I know Penn State is the one that bugs you the most. I it doesn't bug me the most cuz I think Penn State and OU are by far the two best teams in that group of four. Um, it's the Missouri and Ole Miss ones that that bother me just because both those teams had good seasons and you know that you can only play the schedule that's in front of you oh um, you objectively accomplished more than either of those teams this year
0: objectively and I, mean, I um, think they objectively accomplished I, it's more, more than all three of those teams And I, I think Penn State's resumes is, is the worst of the three and that's because I think the SEC is the best conference and I think the Big Ten is not good this year it's incredibly top heavy and after Ohio State and Michigan there's a pretty significant drop off in my opinion to Penn State and then an even bigger drop off to Iowa and then might as well be the fcs after that because the, the rest of the league is terrible
1: yeah i just i kind of have a problem with with any sort of metric that says i just i don't understand how like missouri for instance has a strength of schedule so much higher than oklahoma's it doesn't make any sense missouri beats seven teams with losing records hmm. this year i, I don't oh you didn't play seven teams with losing
0: records so how is this even a thing yeah, how does the strength of schedule even get? Re- and that's another thing as well, because to your what you said, yeah, they got left out. Oh, you got left out because they're in the Big Twelve. Obviously, the Big Twelve is slighted. And you know, we did a podcast weeks ago, you know, like where I defended the Big Twelve, and uh, it, for whatever reason, again, I, uh, yes, the SEC. I think the SEC is the best. I think it's the best conference, even though there's some duds down there. I think top to bottom, there's there's not a whole lot of outs. Uh, I think in the big Ten, there's a lot of outs. There's a lot of teams where you can go in and not really that, be that worried about when you play them. Uh, and I think in the big 12, outside of this year, Baylor and for large portions of the season, maybe BYU and kind of Cincinnati, so there, there wasn't the, there's, there's not an automatic win throughout the 14 teams. and that's that makes it difficult to go through a schedule unscathed. And I think you look at the big Ten again, especially if you're in the Big Ten West. I mean that's how Iowa can go ten and two, (laughs) and you you blame the other teams in that division because it's such a bad division. So uh, it's yes, I'm with you. It's a New Year's Six Bowl would it'll be a lot more fun. I wanted to see OU versus Penn State so badly. I wanted to see and you know obviously now we it'd be Jackson Arnold against Penn State. Still like I'd still be excited to see it. And I think he'd be fine. I think he'd be fine. And I think Oklahoma's defense would be fine against Penn State's offense. It's not very good. I mean, yeah, Penn State's like a bunch of their stud NFL
1: defensive guys are opting oh. out for that game. It would have been fine. So like, there's um, and I mean, it's not even that that OU Penn State is just is so is just a much better matchup for a bowl game than Ole Miss and Penn State. You know, Ole Miss and Penn State it's not a bad matchup, but it's yeah. not. I mean, Missouri Ohio State that's bad. That's Ugh, not a that good sucks. matchup for TV. Uh, there's and so, but like, it, it just kind of bugs me that. I thought OU deserved a, a better bowl reward for the season that they had, and the reward is they get to play in a bowl game that just doesn't have a prestigious reputation. And honestly, they're playing—they're playing a team that's better than Ole Miss in Missouri. So, like, it's that. that's just frustrating. I'm—I'm I'm, right now. I'm yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, they're playing great football. They're definitely best football of the year, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean. the... Uh, I haven't done a deep dive into Arizona, and who knows if I even will. I just know that they're playing. They're winning a lot of games, and their quarterback's going like, for a lot of yards. And and Penn State is Lee. Penn State
1: is as high as they are because nine of their ten wins this year, they they won by
0: massive blowout. That's why their game control is really high. Yeah, I. I'm sure a lot of teams could have high game control
1: against that schedule. Yeah, and schedule it's like and and like we've we've gone over it. Like the best. There's, like, per SP+, the two best offenses they've played this year, Ohio State at 25th and Michigan at, like,
0: 9th. Michigan's offense is 9th? Michigan's offense is not that – I just – I'm not a big analytics guy, man. It's just – no. Like, Ohio State, one, should have beaten Michigan in their their kind of broke-butt offense. Michigan got pretty lucky in that game to – but at the same time, Ohio State's got a pretty subpar quarterback that's now in the portal and leaving – because they're probably like, yeah, dude, we can do better than you. Get out of here. Uh, oh, whatever. And the, the worst part is that you can't really get a good measure of this stuff in bowl season because there's all this time goes by. The teams are different. And it's kind of like I, I, the, the Big 12, I think, is probably going to have another good bowl season. But it's like, does it matter? Like, I mean, they have a lot of good matchups. They have good matchups. They have good matchups. I think Oklahoma is the only Big 12 team that's not favored to win their game right now. Oklahoma State is not. Oh, sorry. Over yeah, and Oklahoma State, the two Oklahoma schools, and they should not be because Oklahoma State is not a good team. Well, neither is Texas A and M, but I'm, I'm, they're probably better
1: than Oklahoma State. I'm I'm certain that Texas A and M is better than Oklahoma State, but also you never know. I mean, they're still you just never know so because like, they played a Texas A
0: and M is basically like bleeding their yeah, entire roster. True. So, and those two teams played in this bowl game like three years ago. This is the same. It's a rematch of the tech. Like, and Chuba Hubbard was in that game and. I think Drew. I think it was 2019. I think when Drew Brown was Oklahoma State's quarterback, <laughs> it's just horrible game.
1: Yeah, no, you go up and down. Like the Big 12 has some pretty pretty favorable matchups, and we're not even get into like m- you know my my intuition and my brain tells me that Texas should probably be favored to win the tournament, but um,
0: well, why don't you go put your money where your mouth is? I don't even.
1: I don't even. I don't even want to get there, man. I don't even want to get. Let's go and drive south that.
0: down to Iowa and throw down throw down some some cheese on the old Longhorns. Then, if you're gonna. Bind to that, I don't know if I'm putting money on anyone. It's going to be Washington. Yeah.
1: I get that they have the best. They have the best passing attack in the in the and they're they kind of have. I it
0: they kind of got a 2000 OU thing going about them. All right. Well, I mean that's a nice transition then into talking about the playoff. We'll talk more about. So here's we'll, we'll talk obviously about the bowl game. We'll do a podcast next week, and I think if we can, we'll do an, one more before the bowl game. So the the plan right now is for us to do. Uh, in addition to this podcast, two more before the bowl game. So we'll get plenty of bull talk. I think that's a good transition, though, into the playoff. And again, I mean, this is old news now. We haven't had a show. That's our own fault. So I understand if everyone's like, ah, I don't care about your playoff thoughts. And you may already know what we're going to say. But you know, we haven't done the show yet. So let's talk about the playoff. Uh, and we'll start it this way. So after everything ended on Championship Saturday and we knew all the results and everybody was giving their predictions. I guess I mean I nailed it. I got it exactly right. Uh so but it wasn't it wasn't hard to get it right. I mean it was pretty pretty cut and dry what it was going to be uh based on the way they view it. And I know that you were of the mind of it'd go differently and I was hoping that you were going to be right. Uh with their their four. But the four they went with I think was pretty obvious after all the all the results. And you know you and I are on the same page I Florida State got absolutely jobbed they got screwed Uh, it's it's ridiculous that they're not in the playoff absolutely ridiculous Uh, the playoff committee decided to it was easier for them to to leave out an undefeated power five conference champ and justify that than to leave out the SEC and I think that's and that's ridiculous i think it's dumb i and we we, you know you and i are probably on the same page here so i know there's plenty of people that would disagree and so this won't be the most interesting thing because we don't have that that other voice saying here's where we're wrong we can probably put out some arguments we've heard from other people but uh i will say yeah i i thought it would be the way that the way it is right now the four that's in there although it should have been number one what uh because Georgia Lasso should have been what number? Actually, Washington. Washington should. Washington so yeah, should be. So yeah, I actually switched that. So my first thought was Michigan number one because it would like make sense for them to jump up to number one. I thought about it more. No, I think Washington should be number one. Their resume is better than Michigan's resume. I think uh, they've beaten a better. I think they've beaten a better team than uh, Michigan's beaten. I think Oregon's better than Ohio State. They beat them twice. And the Pac-12, I think, has been better than the Big Ten this year. But I know a lot of the sharps, a lot of the odds makers, they don't believe that. They think some people think Washington shouldn't even be in the top four, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, you no, know, Michigan is one of the biggest,
1: one of the biggest favorites to win the playoff that we've had. By by Vegas,
0: by by SP they're maybe the biggest. And they, favorite very, they very well, well may win it. it. Uh, but so anyway, so I think run this. Yeah, I I do agree. I think based off of resume and the way this thing, I think Washington should have been number one. Michigan two, and then what would have been? Three, Florida State, as an un- the top, top three unbeaten teams, and then four, Texas, because obviously they beat Alabama head-to-head. Sorry, Bama, you're out. And honestly, Bama, you shouldn't even have been in that position because Auburn's a bunch of idiots. You should have lost to Auburn, and you should have had two losses anyways. That's dumb. So it should have been that. It wasn't. I've been filibustering. I'll let you jump in. Your thoughts on the playoff four. Yeah, you know, I thought, um,
1: like, I don't want to make any bones about it. Florida State being left out is unjust. It is unjust. They got, like you said, they got absolutely jobbed. Completely. And I keep coming back, though, where I think, I, I, I think Alabama is better than Florida State. I think Alabama's probably better than Florida State with Doesn't Jordan matter. Travis. That's the point. Doesn't matter. It does. Exactly right. You are exactly right. That does not matter. Because what I say there, it's just an opinion and we already have results on the field to tell us where it is. And let me tell you, this is why college football is stupid, and this is also why it's great. This is the only sport where we have this debate about things happen, a season happens, and yet still people are like, no, it doesn't matter, that seems better, that seems better. And a lot of the time, they're probably right. Probably. Like, if, if they just would have said, screw it, let's put Georgia in, even after losing to Alabama, they would still be my overwhelming pick to win the playoff. They still would be. Like, not I, for me,
0: after watching them against Alabama. But like, I, I, I was wrong about Georgia. But They're to me... To,
1: okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. But to me, this is why you need concrete um, criteria to get into this thing. And you know what? It's like... It, and of course, it happened in the last year, the four-team playoff. And I know everyone's saying, like, oh, it's not going to be a problem this year. But um, are you kidding me? If they go to next year and they do the same thing, OU is the team getting screwed. And if OU if, – if the same thing happens next year and it's the same scenario at the end of last year and OU is the first team out and it seems like Ole Miss, Missouri, and Penn State and who else is getting, is getting in over them? Oh, the
0: – I will absolutely lose my freaking mind. The G5 mind. team. That'll get in over like, – because they got to get the G5 team in there. Yeah, no. And that's, that's one of the things that kind of hit me that if this was next year and they had the 12-teamer and Oklahoma was left out of this situation and those three schools were in above them, Oh, my gosh. Like, we're mad right now that they're not in the New Year's Six Bowl, but ultimately it doesn't matter that much because they're not playing for a title. That would be insane if if there was a 12-team playoff this year and Oklahoma was the first team out. Oh, man. And I know the whole thing is like, ah, there's always an argument about how, like, oh, there's if you did 24 teams and there's a 25th person. Okay, yeah, but here's the thing, and this is a probably a homer thing to say, but I can back this up, I think, with evidence, especially after the fact that Georgia just lost to Alabama, an Alabama team that's by... Bama standards not that good compared to what we've seen recently. This is a this ended up being a wide open year. And Oklahoma two bad losses, two games they should have won, they could have won. Oklahoma playing at its best, which you could say any team playing at its best, whatever. But if Oklahoma played at its best, they certainly could vie for a a, a title if there is a 12 team playoff in it. Why not? Like, oh you I think they had a, a better chance than a, than a than a Missouri than an Ole Miss like with the way that their offense is uh and so anyways like definitely more than big 10 teams again probably a homework thing to say but I think in this year a 12 team playoff how open it ended up being again because I thought Georgia was way above and it turns out no maybe maybe Georgia's closer to what they were in the first month of the year where it was kind of like oh what's Georgia doing I don't know maybe they are beatable clearly they are so anyway, sorry, I, I think I cut you off, but uh, yeah. The- but no, I mean, it brings up the debates of how do you choose these teams? Is it the
1: like, and I know it's a cliche now, is it the most deserving or is it the best? But it's like, I'm, like I hate this debate. It should always be the most deserving. Always, always, always. It should always be the teams that have accomplished the most because that is the only objective thing that we can point to in college football.
0: And I think that's how people that would defend the playoff right now, some arguments I've heard is, Obviously, like, well, Alabama's better than Florida State, therefore this no big deal, okay. But that's like just your opinion, man. Big Lebowski. I, I know. I'm sorry. I think Ohio State is better than Florida State. Oregon
1: is better than Florida State. Like, where's the line? Georgia is obviously you, like, better than Florida. Like, question. I guess Georgia's out though too. Yes. Uh,
0: no, you're exactly right. I think I think Oklahoma and
1: Florida State are very similar teams. I think if if both of them played fully healthy on a neutral
0: field, it would be a It'd be a game very similar to the Cheez-It yeah. Bowl last year. Yeah, and so uh, that's kind of the, the argument. And then you, you hear like, well, I mean, technically I've seen that in the in the, the rules or the parameters of the playoff they do have in there, oh, if teams are different because of, you know, if, if an injury happens, we can use that. So, like, they've tried to cover their, their tracks to use that. But the issue is, though, there's a lot of issues. And, I'll, and it's all kind of just coming. I should have probably wrote this all down, but. Uh, I've heard a bunch of different thoughts and takes I've had my own it's and I think maybe Booger McFarlane was like the only person in the playoff that was kind of like this is ridiculous you're taught in sports a big part of sports is overcoming adversity and if you win you play for championships and I know that that's not a steadfast rule in the college football playoff but it's kind of like an unwritten rule and there's a reason why an undefeated Power 5 team champion has never been left out of this thing in the, what, 10 years it's been going on. One, because this situation like this has ever happened, but also it's because it, that team's obviously getting in. Duh, they, they played every game in front of them. They won every game. They're in a Power 5. They're a champion. Easy. They advance. And yet, you're going to advance. You're going to leave a team out that's done everything they could, despite, I know they lost their quarterback. They won three games after that. They won the rest of their. They persevered. Who's to say that you give Florida State a month, give their backup quarterback a month to learn the offense? That defense is really good. If they would have played, let's see, it should have been heck. It, sh- it should have been Washington, Michigan, Florida State. In my opinion, it wouldn't have been. They would have had Michigan probably ahead of it, but Michigan versus Florida State, I that was like a Big Ten game to me, and. It's a coin flip. In my opinion, even with a backup quarterback at Florida State because that's how good Florida State's defense is and you have a month to prepare. I think Norvell's a great coach. These are these are really good coach. Who knows who he draws up uh, that they'd be a two touchdown underdog to Michigan? I'm grabbing those points all day long. All the So, you know, you don't know. You don't Do they win? Probably not. No one thought TCU would win last year. They did. They got absolutely housed in the championship game, but so what?
1: I mean, it was it was ridiculous that no one thought TCU could beat Michigan. That was ridiculous. But um I yeah, it's it, it's crazy. I think like th- I mean there's so many holes that you can poke in the logic of putting Alabama there like why is why is Florida State beating Louisville ugly by double digits yet keeping them at arm's length the entire time? Why is that less impressive than Alabama needing a miracle to beat a bad Auburn team? I you know, I I don't know. I don't know <laughs> why. Okay, so if they're going to use the argument, also, oh, I'm sorry. An interesting thing too. Tate Rodemaker, who is their, their backup, backup yeah. quarterback, who is who was concussed in the ACC championship, ACC championship and couldn't play. He played and started a few games last season for Florida State,
0: and he was good for them. I mean, they beat like could complete forward passes. I mean, they beat he beat Florida in the swamp. I know Florida's like 500 this year, but. It's a rivalry game on the road at night. I mean, they won that and they covered. Florida beat the beat
1: the hell out of Tennessee in the swamp. A team that a team that Missouri got a ton of credit for beating and is the reason they're ranked ahead of
0: OU. So that's the thing, it's it's ridiculous to to hold that against. Them. Like I know the the reasoning the the committee whatever the guy's name is who carried Boo, whatever boost carrot whatever. It's like well, I just
1: carrying on the tradition of being an absolutely awful. They're so awful bad. Why are they so the bad at this? that? You're,
0: just be better. So bad. Just be better at it. it. The the argument that well this team was the team that started whatever eight or nine and zero it's just it's a different team now. That's not that's not that's not a thing. It's the same team. They're undefeated. They keep winning games. So what? Like, it's did all those first nine games not matter then didn't count. So there's that. I was just, I, I had another one. If um,
1: and who who knows what's gonna happen? And I think you know I'm. Part of me is like, man. I hope Florida State really comes together, and I hope they they kind they put together a really good game plan for their bowl game. If they win that bowl game, they should absolutely claim a national championship, and it is legit. If they have it, they should they should hang the banner. They should put it on their stadium. It. I mean, it is be a lot more legit. It than was just that they were <laughs> left out. Yeah, and it's like it would be it would be the first legit split title in a really long time, and I I
0: would one hundred percent support it. I would. I mean, I would too. Who knows? I mean, Georgia, like I can't I don't know. I haven't followed. I mean, are they gonna get a lot of opt outs I don't I mean, Georgia's probably pretty mad that they missed the playoff after being number one all year. But you know what, guys, sorry. Beat a beat a down Alabama team, man. Yeah, I think
1: Ari Ari Wasserman is ha, has the best argument for this when he's like when he's talking about Georgia. And I think he had the same feeling about Alabama as well. Sometimes it just works out in the year. You lose the one game you can't afford to lose. Yeah. And that was like and if you left Alabama out of the playoff, that's the reason yeah. too. Sorry, it just it just so happened this year that everyone in the SEC, the ones who had a chance to get here, they all lost the one game
0: they couldn't lose. Sorry. Sorry, that's happened to every other conference. And so I, I listened to one podcast and their big thing on this and they were all on our our side. They thought Washington got screwed. But their biggest thing was, it was, uh, well, this is just ESPN. This is TV. That's why. It's just, we want a better TV product. That's why they do it. And money, blah, blah. And my thing is, of course, that I'm sure that factored in. I just don't think it factors in as much as these people say it does, I, in my opinion, because these games are going to get ratings no matter what. Uh, whether it's Bama, whether it's Florida State, it's, I mean, Florida State's a traditional power. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I don't know if there's Boo Corrigan, the, the stupid, dumbass p- spokesperson. He's, he's North Carolina State's AD. He's an ACC guy. Like, it's not a, like, I don't think there's a conspiracy happening See, there. It was, yeah. it was this committee buying all of the BS that the committee has said over the last 10 years, and they finally put it into
0: practice. It, you know, the, the theories of, like, well, can't have this tournament without an SEC team because they've won so many of it. It's like, yes, you can. Yes, this year you can. Uh, the team that you have, number three, knocked off the team, the one SEC team you're going to put in there, pretty convincingly. Uh, but hey, that, I guess that game doesn't matter, though, because it was so long ago. So who cares? I, they should have probably just put Georgia in, too, left Texas out. If they're gonna, All the Florida State's games earlier really didn't matter, apparently, because they're a different team. That was a different... This, this Alabama team is still a down Bama team. I
1: just, man, I can't, I can't tell you how much I despise that line of argument. I hate it. It's unarguable. You can't... Because you can't go anywhere with it. Because they're just arguing a hypothetical and you can't counter it. And so here's... It's unfalsifiable. Do people not realize how how logic exists? Like... This is... I mean, it's... And you know what? It's it's going to be... These playoff ratings are going to be massive. Like, these are... Like, that's the one thing is that... um, And I think we said... I mean, these these two semifinal games, these are the two best semifinal games back-to-back in the playoffs history they're great they're insanely good games um that wouldn't have been the case if it was michigan versus florida state being totally honest that would have been like michigan versus iowa i honestly do believe that but um but also i can't prove that
0: i don't know it could have been i i would have a lot more confidence in florida state finding ways to score than uh than iowa because i think norvell knows how to knows offense and i think he'd be able to figure i mean he'd watch michigan's defense and he'd Realize that Michigan, they they just press a bunch and they don't do anything special, and he probably have some ways to try to counteract it. That mean they're gonna win. But. One of my hot takes. That is that's
1: definitely contra the conventional wisdom right now. I think I think Michigan is going to toy with Alabama and they're gonna beat them like twenty four to six or something like that. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like the year that it's gonna be like the year that OU is in the Rose Bowl against Georgia and Alabama just
0: toyed with Clemson. That's what it's gonna be like. I mean, the the reason why I think that would happen is because uh Milrow's not a not a good passer, but can if he can scramble and move like he basically did against Georgia a lot of the time, then they got a shot. Uh, but also Michigan doesn't ever get to see good passing offenses anyway. So, I mean who knows maybe milro could figure out and they could throw it and around i guess
1: for alabama what is it the they they have had like a a dude receiver emerge
0: the bond guy he's really well good. and also i mean alabama's he's, he's defense, by far their best Bama's defense is Bama's. Deep. i mean it's it's good so like they're gonna they'll be able to slow down michigan's offense pretty easily i bet michigan's offense isn't that good so like and they're gonna finally be forced probably to actually do more than run the ball 20 times in a row but, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like that, man. I think it's, I, I'd much rather see Michigan versus Florida State. I just – I hate – I I'm, I get so bored watching Alabama play football. I don't – I'm over it. I'm over Alabama. I don't like watching them play. I hate it. I don't, even like, hate, like, I don't even like watching them lose. I just don't like watching them play football. It's boring to me. That's why I was so mad when Auburn blew that game. Like, now that we're in this spot – but like, the last thing – you might have more, but the, the one other point that – is ridiculous that the committee could have actually helped themselves out with their argument of four best teams by simply in their rankings actually ranking it as the best teams, which then would have required them to put Florida State further down behind Georgia, behind Ohio State, behind Oregon. It's like, well, yeah. Why? What's stopping you from putting like what's the line exactly? Is, but the fact that they left like why are they down by OU at five? The, the, the thought of four best teams is is moot because no one's going to argue that Florida State's better than Georgia right now, or Ohio State, or Oregon. So, yeah, like they kind of just screw themselves over with that argument right there by having Florida State at five. Because if you're doing four best teams, everyone, like everybody and their mom has made this point, if you're doing four best teams, Georgia would be in there. Everyone thinks Georgia is one of the four best teams, and they are. So... Oh yeah, I mean, if you're actually
1: going like the four best teams are, and like I, I, I still believe this, the four best teams are Michigan,
0: Texas, Georgia, and Washington probably. Yeah, that's probably it. I think I, I think right now the best team is Texas. I think they're the best team. I think mean, they're playing better than anybody else. I think they're most dynamic on both sides of the ball.
1: And it's gonna be really annoying watching them win. Yep, yeah, they still have Jonathan Brooks. They still have Jonathan Brooks. I think they'd be slam dunk. Favorite I mean, they they played the better thing. without him. <laughs> Like they, 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 that's true which is weird like there other running backs are So good. we'll see. I mean, yeah, they have the best. They have like and like I'm so it's so dumb. Texas has the two best defensive tackles in like in the sport this year. And OU beat them. Didn't really have trouble blocking them. They ran the ball pretty effectively on them. They were like that's OU was right there, man. Texas is is the elite of the elite in college football this year. The game wasn't a fluke.
0: OU hung with <laughs> they hung with them. They freaking beat them yeah and, and they i mean they let texas stick around i mean they their special teams are so That's bad how we, you got to catch that catch that pass the goal line man all right well yeah i if i had to pick a team to win it all i'm gonna take texas i think we're gonna get a rematch they're gonna they're gonna beat alabama twice in the same year and it, it's gonna make me po- pose this question on the podcast would you rather be mostly irrelevant for ten to fifteen years and then all of a sudden hit it and win a national title, or be what Oklahoma's been for the last ten to fifteen years—really good and always competing and making the playoff, but not winning anything? Because I think that's where we're, that's where we're going towards right now. Which Texas, first time you know, in what almost twenty years—that's crazy. They won it eighteen, but I think they're going to win another one. I don't. I don't. I don't want to watch
1: Texas and Alabama play. I don't either. I, like, I, I know who's the better team. I don't that either. That was, that, was a, that was a very decisive 10-point win in September. Like, it was, it was not as close as 10 points. Texas kind of whooped up on them. And I, I don't want to watch that. Another again. reason why Bama I, should not
0: be in this tournament, man. It's, Florida State got hosed. We could potentially see a rematch. That's just boring.
1: I'm just yeah. You can you can argue yourselves and argue yourself into just so many corners with this stuff, and the best team logic without with removing the accomplishments on the field is just so many blind spots. So many blind spots, and I got to get rid of it. Can't can't do this. There and like there is there is a more objective thing. Like all conference champions now are getting in. So like I mean it's, but still yeah. I mean I I'm. Florida State fans, like players on that team, are probably hurting and like yeah, I mean that that hurts. That sucks. Like it's you that was not didn't didn't deserve that. You deserved much much better. You deserved a shot. You deserved a shot against a Michigan team that is that is not particularly explosive on offense. Yep. Totally
0: agree. Well, you called the Heisman a few weeks back. I know he was a slight favorite. Jaden Daniels win, uh, wins it. That's the right call. I did Get a chance to watch a little bit more Jaden Daniels, and I just I'm not sure who else you'd go with other than him. I mean, I think I didn't see what the final results were. Was it pretty one sided? Did you see the final tally, or I, I didn't see it. Yeah,
1: it was. Uh, Penix was second, and it was That's like That's
0: relative fair. to other Heisman years. It was pre- it was pretty uh, it was pretty close. Yeah, I mean, and Penix had a great year too. So I mean, I kind of thought Penix would start to fall off, but he never really did. And kudos to Washington for beating Oregon uh, the second time. So. Yeah, no. Penix. I mean, Penix statistically did
1: fall off in the second half. He wasn't as. Yeah. He he definitely had a like his. He had he had a monster first half of the season statistically. Started to kind of fall back when they played kind of the meat of their schedule in the Pac-12. But he's you know he's he got a he got a Josh Heupel vote there. You go back. Josh Heupel was not particularly great <laughs> his his Heisman
0: runner-up year. Other than that. I think you got a couple other topics here. I'll be honest with you. None of this stuff interests me, really. I mean, A&M, sure. I'd, I'd like to see Oklahoma get some of these A&M guys. I just threw them in there as a grab bag. I don't really care either. Just, it's, it's funny
1: to me that they had the best recruiting class of all time two years ago, and a large majority of the guys who made up like the eliteness of that class have already jumped into the portal, which is like I put it in there just because it's just like, I mean, that's exactly what people predicted would happen two <laughs> years ago.
0: And a lot of it, it's a lot of defensive guys, right I mean, I know they have a really good offensive lineman that left too, but I mean with Elko coming in, I'm sure their thoughts were we gotta keep a lot of these defensive players and it's pretty surprising that I mean a lot of these guys did they was Elko there when they were recruited? I can't remember Elko was at Duke for two years, so maybe maybe yeah, maybe it was at the very tail so end, he probably he- maybe
1: not even. Probably knew about, like, I'm sure, yeah, he knows yeah. them. He probably talked to them during recruiting, but he was never part of it, yeah. like, when they actually, like, signed the deal and everything. Ugh. So that's interesting. It does sound like, I mean, A&M made an interesting hire. They hired, they took Colin Klein from Kansas State. He's gonna... So everything right now says that A&M, at least this is kind of what their actions suggest. They're, they're trying to get away from the big money stuff, and it looks like they're just trying to create a good football program, <laughs> which is very obviously the right decision for them um we'll see if that works because like i um texas a&m just having all of these resources and not being able to put it together is great for college football i it's it's such a fun story and as soon as they put it together to it that story's dead and i don't want that to be the case major league baseball has been way less interesting since the red Sox and the cubs won a world series
0: let's see other than that a uh, couple bowl games this saturday but I mean, Texas Tech's going to be playing Cal. That's kind of really the only one of note. Whatever. We'll, we'll talk more about bowl games probably next week. There'll be some better ones to talk about. Uh, other than that, I know you got ba- OU basketball, which, I mean, OU basketball is pretty fun. I, I did want to bring this up, though. I think this, this is tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night is when they're going to reveal the schedules for next year, SEC. Yeah, December 13th, so the
1: night of you, you know, you're listening to this on Wednesday, maybe. Yeah, tonight. So we already know some of them. Like We already know that they're playing Tennessee as their SEC opener at home in week four. And I think we also know that they are playing at Ole Miss on the 26th of October, your birthday. And, the, and Alabama on the 23rd yeah, the of Alabama, November. Those are the ones that yep. we know for sure. So I think everyone gonna, is, is going to be interested to see what the schedule is like around Texas. So, like, you know, right before and after. But there, there's no getting around it. They are going to have at least one brutal three or four game stretch where they're on the road either three consecutive weeks or on the road three of four weeks against elite teams.
0: There's no, there's no way that you can avoid it looking at the schedule. Well, we know they're going to play Maine sometime in November. <laughs> it kind of, I mean, it's so...
1: And also we know there are... <laughs> There are two bye weeks next year now. Okay,
0: I like that. Get healthy.
1: That is good. That's like that's that's something that they, they should do. They, it's okay to put more bye weeks. Makes the season the longer, man. The
0: season's already short enough.
1: Makes it longer. It, it lets it lets them get healthy. Like there's just come on. It's just, that's that's good for everybody. I'm glad I'm glad that that's kind of the direction that they're going. So um, yeah, I'm um, I'm looking forward to see what that's going to look like man i don't know i'm still uh man you better have your quarterback and your pass catchers down pat going to that thing because that is I said that's that's the most difficult schedule in ou football history i already but hey you know you never know maybe like maybe it'll turn out to be not that not that tough like relatively
0: speaking as the season goes on man we could uh let's see let's let's try to let's try to predict the schedule real quick so the first four games are set Temple, Houston, Tulane, then Tennessee. So there, maybe there's a bye. Maybe there's a bye after that. Who knows? And then... There's going to be a bye, because I
1: think there's... After Tennessee, there's two weeks in between. So I think is going to get a bye right before Texas. That's my guess. I think they're going to play Tennessee week four. And then my guess is they go on the road to play Auburn uh, the week after Tennessee. Mm. And then there's a bye... And then it's OU Texas. That would be a, that would be a late, late OU Texas, like South- though.
0: That would be a very late OU Texas. Don't they always play either the first or second Saturday of October? It's either the, that. Yeah, I, I have it as the second Saturday if I do that. I so think. I, I bet they I bet they get a bye after Tennessee. I bet they get a bye before Texas. I bet they play the first first Saturday. It goes Because t- so, Tennessee's on the 21st, so then they get a bye on the 28th. Play Texas on like what the fourth or the fifth October fourth fifth maybe, maybe the fifth I think. Which yeah. okay, I mean I kind of would prefer a buy okay. a little bit later and then another late buy, but that that could work. Uh, and then uh, what would what would be uh, so October twenty sixth is a Saturday, so I mean nineteen twelve. I've so kind of talked
1: myself into I think they're gonna I think directly after OU Texas they're gonna go home to play South Carolina. I don't know why I think that, but I just I think that's almost certainly going to be the case. Okay, okay. I think it'll be after Texas, it'll be at home versus South Carolina at Ole Miss. No, that would be... The, the, and Because that's already on the schedule. there will be a game
0: before that, I believe. Wait, so so if, if Texas is the fifth, that means there'll be a game on the 12th, which you're saying is South Carolina. So then the 19th, they'd have to go... And play somebody else before they go to Ole Miss on the twenty sixth. Yeah, at Missouri, I, I'm, and actually,
1: I think everybody's kind of assumed that Missouri is going to be that the last week of the season. Hmm. I actually think it's going to be LSU. Wasn't there a rumor of LSU? I think they're going to play Alabama and LSU back to back.
0: Yeah, playing LSU. El-
1: I think they're going to play LSU that Thanksgiving weekend. That's that's my hot take. Actually, that wouldn't be Thanksgiving weekend because it's a it's a week it's
0: a week later this this year. Let's see. Yeah, because so okay. Yeah, LSU's already got the A and M game set because like normally they've been playing. I think they've been playing A and M around Thanksgiving or maybe or they maybe they were and that was like a week. Because I remember when I was covering A and M, right around Thanksgiving time, I went and covered a game in Death Valley, right around Thanksgiving time. I feel like in the 2000s they were always playing
1: Arkansas that Thanksgiving weekend, but yeah, they don't have like a traditional rival. That's right. Rival they were yeah that Thanksgiving weekend, and so where it makes sense, like it would make sense if the sec wants to make OU in Missouri a thing and make it that Thanksgiving like, but also now if they're going to do that, it makes more sense to do it to do OU in Arkansas, to be honest with you. But, but they're not going to be in, you know, Uh, it's, it's an interesting way. Like there's, there's no avoiding really difficult stretches next year. So it's like, you just, you just hope that the bye weeks come at decent times that, you know, that their back-to-back road trips aren't too daunting and, um, but it's crazy to like, think now, like based off of the teams this year and like what they did this season, their quote unquote easiest road game next year is at Auburn. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's nuts, man. Because like Missouri, Missouri loses a lot of guys like on their, and their lines, but they bring back their quarterback and Luther Burton. And honestly, that's like all that matters. We'll see about all Ole Miss. Let's see. Is Jackson Dart still? Yeah. Ole Miss. I'm kind of like I've already chalked that up. They're not winning that game. That's that's you can just that's an L. They're not gonna. They're not beating
0: Ole Miss. They already lost around my birthday this past season. They can't lose two years in a row around my birthday. That ain't cool. The last time uh, OU lost on my birthday, actually on my birthday was, uh, <laughs> I think it was actually on my birthday, was the um, K State game, 2019.
1: Great. Oh, that's right, yeah. That was a disappointing game. But also, like, I'm kind of... You look at their schedule, though, I mean, it's very... I, I'm really curious to see what that game is, in, be- the game that they play in between Tennessee and Texas. Uh, because I think all OU fans can talk themselves into... Their schedule does set up to start out 4-0. It does, for sure. Um, I still think they're, on paper, They're they're better than Tennessee going into next year, for sure. I mean, they have um, to start four zero.
0: They got to start four zero with that this first. They four have games. to. They have to. Yeah. I mean, their their season win and total so is going to probably it'll be, be eight and a half or nine. I mean, they.
1: It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, man, they play Houston now. Going to be coached by Willie Fritz. Oh my God! And then the next week they play Tulane, the team that used to be coached <laughs> by Willie oh Fritz. Oh man.
0: Yeah, Houston could be spicy because of that. All right.
1: At least that game's at home, and you got hey, man, maybe that SEC patch on there will just make them play that much better. Maybe. I don't know, but Temple's terrible. Houston might be kind of plucky and okay. Tulane, you have no idea how they're going to be. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure they're graduating like their entire team. And Willie Fritz is leaving, so that might be kind of thing. And, and you know, Tennessee, they, they, did, they, they went under expectations this year. So I'm kind of curious to see what they'll have. They'll have kind of a hot shot blue chip quarterback coming to Norman. Can can't pronounce his name Nico
0: Villamingo num I don't know. <laughs> the uh, by the way, real quick, the November, I mean November, I'm sorry, the Thanksgiving time game, I guess will that, that'll be what that's Alabama because Thanksgiving is unless Thanksgiving is late this year, is it right? Because like yeah, Thanksgiving is not like on the 28th this
1: year. Thanksgiving
0: right? is always the third Thursday in November, I believe. So that would be the week of the Bama game, November 23rd. Yeah, and so maybe they are
1: just, with the new play, they're pushing everything back a week this year and adding the second bye
0: week. And maybe... Or maybe it's just a weird calendar year. Well, maybe. I mean, it's setting up where they're probably going to be home against Bama and then at LSU to end the season. <laughs> it's going to be at LSU or at Missouri
1: for that last one. I'm, I'm fairly certain about that. Yeah that's like and I don't know man like I'm kind of thinking like LSU and like going into Death Valley that's going to be really difficult like don't get me wrong here but if I'm going to go into Death Valley I'd much rather play an LSU team that's terrible on defense and has Kerry Cooks on their coaching staff (laughs) yeah that LSU defense is pitifully awful if if like they're not they're not going to be that much better in a year we'll have a new quarterback too won't they they will have a new quarterback. It's, it'll be a uh, Nussmeyer. He's a five star guy. He's played is, a little bit, hasn't he?
0: But he I, feel like he's, I feel like I've seen him play a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't. I'm. We'll see. And they're like, so yeah, LSU might, and depending on what like Malik Neighbors does, um, you know, they had some stud receivers who are eligible to go to the draft. We'll see what they do. Um, yeah, it, it might LSU might be kind of in legit, actual like rebuilding territory next year under Brian Kelly. All right, that about does it for me any final thoughts yeah I just wanna i'll I'll throw the love at the nine and o number eleven o u basketball team just wanna just want bring it up here just because I think it's fun and i am uh I am notoriously like what do you want to call it I'm like maybe a fair weather o u fan whereas like I just i get depending on how good they are it's how excited I get and like I'm always following them I know what's going on but um yeah, Lee. That uh, I'm not sure how much you've watched of the team, and like I've I've watched you know pretty decent chunks of every single game this year. That is absolutely the best team that they have had since their Final Four team. It is.
0: It's not even really close. So like I'm. Yeah, no. I I watched the last I'm, game. I'm pretty, against Arkansas, and uh, I it just looked like a totally different squad. Like, honestly, I didn't even recognize a lot of the players. I was <laughs> like, who are these guys on the team? They're like I. Well I guess yeah, it's it's crazy
1: because you got um and, and this is something I didn't I didn't at all expect, um, especially after watching him last year, but Otega Owe is a dude. Like is actually like in most games I've watched this year, it's like, oh God, he's the best player on the floor. Um, and they also have another like Javian McCollum also at times looks like just the best player on the floor. That's not even mentioning Jalen Moore, who is always the best athlete on the floor. Uh, they just they have a totally different gear. They're, like, they kept saying it over and over again in the offseason. Yeah, we're more athletic. We're more athletic. They undersold that. <laughs> they're one of the most athletic teams in the country. They're, they're
0: really good. I think it was McCollum who, he had in the first half, he had a drive where he took it to the hoop and kind of went through a couple guys and finished at the Cup. And I was, I was like, I haven't seen an Oklahoma guy drive and finish like that. I don't even remember the last time. It made it look, and he's like he's kind of undersized, you know, like, he made it look kind of easy. He's like, oh, goodness, that that was a little different than what I've <laughs> I've seen. I guess. I mean, I guess they had Trey Young. Uh, but still, I mean, Trey Young was kind of by. Himself. But yeah,
1: I'm just saying, like, I don't want to get too far ahead of it because it's a long season. They're about to go into, you know, conference play and the the best conference in the in the country. And and they're, they're going to go through dry spells in the Big 12 just because they're going to have stretches where they're playing three or four tournament teams in a row. And, you know, some of them are going to play really well. And OU might get a little cold. And, like, it's okay to kind of go through those stretches. But athletically, yeah, this OU team has a totally different juice than they've had in the past. Like, where it's, they play aggressive defense. They're long. And they, man, they get to the, they get to the bucket pretty easily. They get to the line a lot, too. They shoot a lot of free throws. And so they have, but, man, just, yeah, looking forward, their, their pedigree sets up for March Really, really nicely.
0: And I guess they're playing defense, right? they have two right? really good... Porter Moser is a defensive yeah, with, guy. Yes. I mean, and also a super high efficiency offensive guy. And it just hasn't really panned out. But maybe it just was. He just didn't have enough good players. I mean... Yeah. They are, uh, per Ken Palm right now,
1: they're 12th on defense. And they keep going up and up every single game. And I think they're 35th on offense. And they started like in the 70s, at the beginning of the year. So they just keep going up and up. And so, and you know, like a lot of Mosier teams, like kind of their ceiling on offense is, is hit when they're, when they're hitting shots from the outside. But you can say that about every team in modern college basketball now. So I will say, I just like, I, I'm going to leave it at this, but this game isn't about, the game that I'm looking at is in about a month, Lee, but OU is going to have one more chance in Fog Allen Fieldhouse to beat Kansas. And this team, honestly, the one that they're going to bring to Lawrence might I have mean, the best chance of any team they've brought in the last 25 I mean, gonna, years to do they, it.
0: They're going to do it. I mean, they, they literally lost them in football this year. They got to do it in, ba- in basketball. I mean, it just kind of makes... There's too much narrative there. It's almost too perfect. And so that was always my thing where it's like... And I had totally
1: wrote, written it off. Like, after last year and then, like, the Exodus, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm literally never going to see them win in, in Allen Fieldhouse. And I'm I'm speaking it into existence. It's gonna freaking happen this year. It's gonna happen. They're gonna do it.
0: Oh yeah, last yeah last year was the one where they had they had them beat, right? That's 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 the most that's the most agonizing. They part. always have them beat. They've yeah. been
1: like every year since the final four year. They've gotten so close, and th- the same thing happens every single time. They just in the like at the under four in the second half. Kansas just fog Allen wakes up the refs wake up Kansas starts hitting everything from three every time they go to the basket they get fouled and it's just like it's not this year not this year OU is going to out athlete them and they're going to freaking beat them on their own court
0: we're going to be so happy it happened we're basketball school (laughs) now man it's basketball school. I remember like OU was up they were up 10 points with 5 10 to go in the game (laughs) <laughs> they lost. That was last year, yeah. right? And it just it, the the lead and went of away. Of course, so everyone fast remembers too. the
1: final four year the the final four year where they played. I mean, the game were healed in that game. Scored over forty. That's, frankly, that's the best college basketball game I've ever seen. Maybe outside of the the Kentucky Wichita State game about ten years ago in the tournament, but. Um, Man, I just, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. And I'm not the
0: only one who would love to see it. Last thing, it's just frustrating too, because Oklahoma can't beat them there. But Oklahoma State rolls into Allen Fieldhouse. They've beaten KU there multiple times in like, the last decade. <laughs> like they go in there, it's not, not not a big deal. They just do it, and other schools do too. It's just Oklahoma can't. All right, let's get out of here. We'll be back around this time next week to talk even more OU football. Whatever the heck happens between now and then, and then maybe a little bit about upcoming bowl matchups and then more on the Alamo Bowl. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.